Hello. Hello to you. That was very good timing. I just just swallowing my last cracker. Oh, good. Very good. Uh, and now it's time to put on the Ritz. <laughs> yes. Right. Was it uh, dry cracker? Did you have some cheese? Where'd I had some it? cheese. I had some uh, cream cheese on a stone wheat thin. Nice. I think I really am. I never grew up eating them, but I'm a big fan of stoned wheat thins now. Yeah, yeah they're a good cracker. I think it's just the little bit of seed in them that makes it kind of pushes it. Like I find, like if I went back to like a premium cracker, which is what I grew up eating, those little, the smaller square ones, you know, mm-hmm. like they're a good soup cracker, but. I feel like the the stone wheat thins are the more kind of superior version of that cracker. Um, yeah. Have you ever had it with uh, butter and put it in the oven to warm it up? No. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's good. Oh. It's good. You, you do a little uh, little butter on there. You put it in the oven. Uh, toast it for like you know like uh, seven ten minutes. Okay. Uh, oh man, that's good. <laughs> that's good, is it? Oh huh. yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I use it more like a soup as a soup cracker. You know, I crunch it up and put it in tomato soup. That seems to be where I eat the most of them but uh, yeah it's a it's yeah a i mean ideally it's melted butter and you brush it on and then you put it in the oven. okay okay but like yeah about seven about seven minutes just enough to get a little a little warmth going through it mm-hmm. and then uh it, but doesn't make the cracker soggy yeah uh, okay yeah, tr- try it and then thank me later <laughs> i'll give it a try all right i will give it a try all right yeah i for the first time yesterday eve left us well actually the day before but i wasn't sure i didn't use it because i wasn't sure what it was for or who it was for was one of those it wasn't it wasn't hello fresh or whatever it's called but it was like that it was called i think it was called good food or something like that okay and you know you get like a bag and then it has all the ingredients in the bag or most of the ingredients are in the bag mm-hmm. do you know what i mean yeah i know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about yeah yeah i never I had nothing one i get nothing but ads for those because i order groceries <laughs> from the store so because of that it triggers something yeah yeah and because of that like, oh, you must want, you know, eat fresh at <laughs> Chef's Table. And yeah, yeah. How's your father? And there you go. <laughs> oh, how's your father? That's a very good one. Yeah. Every, all, the, all the poultry comes spread-legged. <laughs> so what So uh, what, what, what was it? By the way, I'm, I'm sending you uh, the – it sounds weird that I'm sending you the recipe, but I'm sending you the recipe. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was good, actually. It was, a, it was meatloaf, but it was like meatloaf plus – so it came with uh, it came with broccoli, a lot of broccoli. It came with potatoes, and for whatever reason, it was um, it was supposed to be mashed potatoes, but they sent us like nugget potatoes, you know, or or clon- yep. you know what I mean, like very thin skinned ones that you can't really peel. <laughs> so it was okay. It was okay as a as a, but it's not my ideal mashed potato. My ideal mashed potato is not have skin in it, but whatever. And then uh, and then. And then it had like a, a a lump of of ground beef, but then it also came with panko crumbs, um, a kind of a what do you call it a demi a demi glace. Yeah, does it come with an egg? Did not come with an egg. Really? Okay, that's odd for a meatloaf. Okay. Yeah, it had, it had a shallot, mm-hmm. some parsley, mm-hmm. and then some mustard, some very seedy mustard in a in a container. And um, what else did I have? Oh, and then I had a couple of packets of spices. Like it was kind of a melange, like a spice melange. And then, so yeah, like so it was just kind of like cut up the broccoli, lay it on a tray, and then you know drizzle some oil on it, which you have to provide the oil, but whatever. So a little bit of oil on it, and then use the spice and sprinkle it with that, and then put that in the oven and get it going. And then and then uh, get the potatoes on the go. So you get the potatoes on the go, and then then you start um, putting together your your stuff for your for your 
for your meatloaf. So I had like so dice the shallot, uh, chop up the parsley, and then you put you combine that with some of the mustard and then and the crumbs and some, and and a bit of the, a bit of the spice I think as well. And then you you mix you just mix all that up and then you make two loaves. Then you fry those and then you put together your demi glass. And, and meanwhile, I guess your potatoes are done, so I had to like take those out and then mash those. So you, you're frying your meatloaf? Yeah, you fry the meatloaf in a, you get like in a crispy a, skin and then you put it you put it in the oven then, then you, afterwards? Yeah, then you flip it. Okay. And then you put it in the oven for ten minutes. All right. And you get a nice cook through actually. It was very nice and juicy. But before okay. you put it in, you put the demi you make a you make a glaze with oh yeah, there's maple syrup as well. So yeah. you put together the maple syrup, the the demi you use part of the demi glaze in the uh, meatloaf, but then you use the rest of it for the for the glaze for the top, and then some spice and some others, and then the rest of the mustard. And so you coat it with that, and then you put it into the oven for ten minutes. And that was it was really good actually. Like I can, you know, for for us, like I can do that without having to get a kit. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that's what I want to do, but but I could see like for a single guy or a single woman or even like a young couple that have busy lives or whatever that it's very useful particularly if you haven't grown up cooking oh for sure you yeah. know if you come out and then you know it's so easy as a bachelor to like eat absolute garbage for you know a year until until you're so sick that you don't you <laughs> catch zippo in one day and you almost die of you know shock your your kidney starts to fail or something like that but it's like it's it's really I'm exaggerating obviously but it's really good for for that, I think, like, I think I can really see its use there, like, as a, as a way f to keep, because, you know, it's a good balanced meal, you know, you get broccoli, you get potatoes, you get that meatloaf, and then it's also, but it's also tasty, it's not, like, really bland. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a nice... And you got a sense of, uh, you put something together, like Ikea furniture. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I did it. The only problem with, for me was, I, I don't really like cooking like that. Like, I'm more of a, um, I like to cook, I like to cook so that when I'm, when it's cooking, I'm cleaning up. And mm. so when the dish is ready, everything else is drying in the in the dish rack. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I don't have like a huge l wasteland. All, you know, unless it's like a, you know, something like turkey dinner for Thanksgiving or Christmas, or whatever. Yes, of course, it's in inevitable that you end up with a big giant mess on, on your counter trying to get everything ready at the last minute. But yeah, I just don't really enjoy that feeling of like sitting on the table and then there's this giant pile of stuff that needs to get cleaned after I'm finished eating. I don't know. It feels like you just put Damocles sword over your head and uh, time to eat. I, I used to be like that. And then uh, our dishwasher broke and the landlord replaced it with a much smaller one. And so now there is a pile up of dishes. Mm. This is the thing. The only problem now is the cat likes to like eat out of the sink if there's anything in there. So it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's... It's that it's that constant guilt, uh -huh, uh -huh. Of like having to having to clean to to a degree. But yeah, yeah I have yeah. to run the dishwasher like twice a day at least. Oh wow! wow. Oh yeah, for sure. Like just for the size of uh, you know, it's mm. just it's just silly. You know, we just get the teeny. It, it doesn't seem like it's teeny, but it's teeny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I do. I actually like to wash the dishes. So I wash like all the pots and pans, all of any kind of glassware that gets used, like you know, measuring cu measuring cups or. Or bowls to mix stuff in that all gets washed by hand. Um, anything like spatulas, knives, all that stuff all gets washed by hand. And then, so I just I, I always fill the sink while I'm getting stuff ready at the beginning, so everything goes into the sink as I'm cooking, mm -hmm. unless I think I'll need it again. But I just once I know I'm done with it, I just throw it into the sink, and then I just do a quick wash while while the whatever's you know finishing off its cooking. So yeah, no, but it was it was good. I, I have to say, I really I was impressed with it. I, you know, like you don't know what I never really knew it those things were like like um like what the kid involved and things like that you know mm -hmm. so 
But I, I just do because again, I get the mm. I get nothing but ads for that. Yeah, I've never had an ad for that. Yeah, you will now. We've discussed it on your phone. <laughs> now you will. I've not discussed it on my phone, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's a Skype. It's true. Oh, but it's, it's some, some devices hearing it. You're no, you're right. Here. My phone is beside me, and what do I got here? If you liked, hello. Yeah, there'll be something. There'll be something. <laughs> I've been um, going through Otto Lange's, uh books. Just because I, I, I wanted a challenge, so I've been like putting together all these really complicated recipes, mostly vegetarian recipes, mm-hmm. the last couple of days. Today we're doing meatballs, though, so it's meatballs and an eggplant thing as well. So oh, after this, that's what I'm uh, putting together: uh, uh, ricotta, ricotta, and oregano meatballs. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should probably start the show, actually. <laughs> Well, you know what? I, I am assuming this is part of the show. I think you're right. But we... if, it's, if it's not, I'm uh, I'm shocked. This is the this is definitely. If this isn't part of the show, oh my god, what are we doing? What are we doing? We we see all this content, but let's get some silence. It certainly is content. We'll get some silence, and then we'll we'll start the theme, and then we'll come back in. How's that? All sound? right. Seeky Dragon, I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. There you go. We're episode <laughs> 464. Probably you just listened to us talk about how we cook. Um, <laughs> if you want to see us cooking, we do have a video on the Sneaky Dragon YouTube page of uh, Dave showing you how to make eggs Dedrick. Maybe in the future we will cook some more stuff when we're allowed to be in the same room together. Yeah, um, that, was, that was a fun thing to do. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I've, uh, I've, I, it, it, I'm, I'm doing a lot more cooking right now. I am trying to, for health reasons, just because you know, um, but also because I like the challenge of mm-hmm. having to assemble something and find the ingredients and and what have you and yeah. uh, and, and put it together. And uh, it's it's nice. It also it just feels like it wakes your brain up <laughs> to uh, to assemble something like that. Also, I can't be slack brained while I'm cooking because there's fire. So fire to me, when I see fire, it's like I'm alert. And <laughs> it, uh, that's a good. That's me. a good instinct. Yeah, I did pour boiling water down my arm yesterday, so uh, so oh. I'm not totally. I'm not alert enough. Did you uh, Did you uh, get like a burn from it? Uh, no, I got it. Uh, I got it into some cold water uh, fast oh, enough. That's lucky. I was all right. uh, but I was like, oh no, that's a good. Uh, that's a good uh, notification uh, to me to uh, pay more damn attention. Uh, here we go. <laughs> so, that's, uh, so I did. That's interesting because. Uh, a, fellow, a fellow at work, his finger was all bandaged this morning, and I said, "Oh, what did you cut yourself?" Because he works in the glass department. Right. He said, "No, uh, I was taking a steak out of the oven last night, and I had tin foil over it, and I couldn't see that there was a bunch of juice. And when, as I took it out, I t- tilted it, and all this juice ran out onto my onto my finger, and scalded me quite badly. And I put it under water, but I could see my skin was wrinkling. So I knew oh, it was quite, yeah. I knew it was. He said I knew it was bad. So I I put a bandage on it and wrapped it up." Yeah, I was just I was taking pasta out of uh, with tongs. Yeah, out of, uh, out, of out of the sink and of sink. Yeah, what I put in the sink? No, <laughs> out of the pot. Yeah, okay. Putting it to a fry pan next to it, but I put it at the wrong angle, so like just a ton of water just went whoosh <laughs> shoot. down my sleeve. Shoot, shoot. And it was, oh, lucky you had a sleeve though. It, well, that's that, the thing. But that the might have helped you a bit. Holds on to it, right? It will, like it but was, it feels like it'll cool a bit more than just being like right up against your skin. I don't know. Well, I haven't got a mark, so I'm so I'm okay with that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Was making was making that yesterday, and then uh, uh, some. Uh, I did make uh, some steaks, and it, it uh, ordered too much steaks. Uh, I'm not good with kilograms, man. When they when they. <laughs> oh really? So, yeah, 
not. I'm not. Give me, give me that old-fashioned uh, other. Well, just uh, so stuff. you know, 500 yeah. grams is a pound. 500 grams is a pound. Yeah, basically, bas- yeah, you know, that's basically. Right. Yeah. It's... I, d- I know that from from buying ground beef. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. When it comes to when it comes to steaks, I get a little bit. Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm much better. Like, I, and I am ordering online. Like, I'm ordering Instacart for the most part because this is where I order the heavy things. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. When it comes down to you know uh, you know measurements like that, it's like oh, let's hope for the best and freeze the rest. <laughs> and uh, that's that's how it goes. I'm still not a hundred percent down with metric, and I've had it all my life. That's funny. Well, I think I do remember when, when like going to the deli, they switched from, you know, saying half a pound to say having to say grams. Right. Uh, which I'm I'm fine with it now. Like I'm used to it, and because I'm a, like a deli regular, I'm very used to it. But I do remember people grossing about it at the time, as, oh, the as if it makes that much of a difference to say 250 grams instead of a quarter of a pound. Like I, I don't know, it's just weird, but. All I know is if I order more than 200 grams of any sliced uh, meat, yep. uh, it's going to go bad. I can't eat, I can't, you can't, you can't eat it fast I enough? I will not yeah. finish it. I will feel guilty. <laughs> so 200 grams is my guilt point. Because and and I, I hate wasting food. I'm a real, oh, if I'm in the fridge and I see something gone bad, it's like, oh. Ah, <laughs> oh, there's something just deep inside me that's just like, people need food and I've got it and I've let it go bad. Huh. That's oh, such a sin. Such yeah, a sin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is which is why avocados uh, are my mortal enemy. <laughs> yes, they'll go bad just just when you buy them. It's sitting in the bag coming home from like the store. Like if you say their names three times, yeah, they will. <laughs> they will go bad. Go bad. Yeah, yeah. Rock hard right before that. Yeah. But when uh, you know when they're good, uh, they're good. God darn, they're good. But then you know, gone. Poof. Yeah. Oh, and uh, mandarin oranges as well. Mm. Mandarin oranges, if I buy more than six mandarin oranges, at least one of them will be green in a day, like from mold. We'll just like completely yeah. turn into a muppet. We'll turn into Oscar the damn grouch. <laughs> and it's like, ah, how did this, how did I, I looked through them all. Yeah. And uh, they, yeah. Yeah, you, you open up the bag and all the other oranges have moved away from it like it's a zombie. Oh, I, I wish. I wish that <laughs> then it would be fine. Then they'd be keeping healthy. They wear little masks and they're trying to socially distance from the other orange. But yeah. no, they're all having, you know, uh, a house party down there. Just, oom, 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 oom. It's like, what are you guys doing? Are you all making out? You know, shut up, man. A little Mandarin orgy going on. I guess I'm lucky because uh, I, I'm a real, I really like salami. Which is like a cured meat, so it, it does. It yeah. takes a long time for that to go bad. So it will, yeah. Salami I, will last you. Will outlast you, frankly. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. He, he wants to be buried with his salami because you know it'll like a pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then one final thing is I burned myself last night too. Oh no! Well, I was. I, mine was uh, that I'd never done it before. That one of the the recipe recommended that I scoop out some of the water from the potato the, the potato water. And set it aside to use to make the mashed potatoes. And so I was, I didn't really, never done it before. I should have used like a ladle or something. But instead yeah. I, I used an yeah. actual measuring cup. And then as I was trying to scoop it out, I my finger went into the water and I burned my my finger. Oh, I'm really sorry about that. We're all burned. Yeah, we're, all, we're all doing. We're I thought all you were going to say you burned yourself online with some online comment you made. And then, oh, self-burn. <laughs> on that. Know, what, here's, what I, here's my problem with the <laughs> recipes I've been doing. Yeah, because I like doing stuff in order, and sometimes I do get a little lazy and I don't read ahead. Mm. So it, it'll be the thing like, and drain the pasta. There you go. Reserving the water for later. <laughs> well, see, 
where he should have told me that. <laughs> or that should have been a comma and not a period and not a separate line. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, that happened to me one time when I was making, uh, the first time I made lemon meringue pie, I just discarded the, the, the whites because mm-hmm. you, you use the yolk for the for the the lemon part of it the, the lemon curd part and so i just like i don't need these whites blop blop into the compost kept the yolks yeah. and then you get down to the bottom and use the reserve whites for your meringue <laughs> for the meringue ah don't do that to me recipe but it's my fault it's my fault yeah the only other problem with the recipes is there are like i like going for the obscure ingredients like find zatar it's like all right i'll find some zatar or what have you I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 hunt it out i've got enough little little stores in my neighborhood that that is a possibility or i can go to granville island and they'll have some okay um but then there'll be stuff like use preserved lemons no i'm not gonna preserve lemon. we're just we're just using lemon <laughs> the amount of difference is gonna be so take your black limes i'm not finding a black lime what the and just just use the four leaf clovers and sprinkle them over <laughs> freshly found in your garden. No, I'm not going to be hunting down. No, forget it. This will be. This is good enough. Good enough. I do a lot of uh, good substitute for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, those things are fine. Though the substitutions are usually not <laughs> even close. Yeah, I know. That's a, like, that's a problem. Yeah. That is a problem. Yeah, yeah. And some, and we've talked before about it, but. Something like chervil, which apparently has disappeared from the face of the earth. I don't know. It's... I bought some yesterday. It's oh, did fun. you? Where'd you find it? Uh, I got it from a uh, great Canadian superstore. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good tip. Yep. Okay, I'll keep my... Uh, next time I'm driving by, if I feel like fighting my way through that place, I will. I still have some, but I, I, I'm, out, I'm just concerned that one day I won't. And so. It's... Hey, you got me, you got me uh, wanting to double-check this right now, and so I am, and... Yes, indeed, they have it in stock. I, I did buy it yesterday. <laughs> okay. Just a little container of it. it was, uh, yeah, it was good. Oh, so that's right. You're doing it. You're doing it via the the web, aren't you? I was doing mine via the web. Yeah, but it means that they've got it at. Yeah, there we go. It's Dion. Yeah, the Dion um, uh, quintuplets. No, it's Dion Chervil. <laughs> uh, that's funny because it's it's it is interesting ordering online because you almost like you get to know the secret menu. You know oh, what I mean? Okay, tell tell me more about that. Well, I'm thinking about White Spot, which. Mm-hmm. I used to love to order sliced pickles, like a plate of sliced pickles, and um, that w- that left the menu, and so I stopped ordering it because I just I assumed it was gone. But if you order online, you can order a plate of s- s- sliced pickles, mm-hmm. and then you uh, have it as an option. It's right there. Yeah, I know it's so good. And then uh, other things I didn't know, know you could do is you could ask for a side of the 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 special oath, or whatever it's called. What's it called? Special yeah, triple oath sauce. Or triple sauce. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So I'm like, oh, these are these are good tips for later. I mean, I can do what I'm ordering online, but when I can return to the restaurant, I can also ask for a side of of triple O sauce. That's really good. So yeah, if ever I'm if ever I'm doing that, like I'm ordering like a McDonald's or a, or a White Spot, I will even if I don't want it now, I'll go like, yeah, give me give me a couple of little containers of the triple O or the Big Mac sauce. Yeah, put yeah. That, put that in the fridge. This lasts like. You know, at least a week. Yeah. And uh, then you make your own burger. Whoop, there you go. You got a Big Mac burger. That's great. Or like, whoop, there's triple O sauce on there. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. No, that's smart. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like when you order from, if if you use the McDonald's app, then it's easier to get the McChicken sauce than. <laughs> or here's what you can do if yeah. you want to be a crazy person. Oh, okay. You order a Big Mac and you order a uh, legendary burger. You order, but you order them without the Big Mac sauce and without the triple O sauce. But then you order a side of triple O sauce and Big Mac sauce. 
Put your Big Mac sauce on your Triple O burger. Mm-hmm. Put your Triple O sauce on your Big Mac burger. Blow your damn mind. <laughs> Give it to a friend. Give it to a friend and go like, oh, I got you your burger. And they, they eat the White Spot burger. And like, what the hell? <laughs> like, what's wrong? Uh, this is poison. And like, no, no. Is it? Or is it what you like in another form? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You just, you, oh. your mind expands, man. It's making, making, making me hungry for a Big Mac, actually. Yeah, you got you, you. I know you don't like having food delivered, but uh, yeah, got, no, no, you got access to a vehicle. That seems You're... that seems like a especially stuff like that. Like I don't mind like a pizza that's like acceptable, <laughs> but 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 even there, I'll I would rather drive to the place and pick it up myself than than have them come to my house. I feel Understood. I don't like the idea of like giving like doing the money thing at the door. I just find it very awkward. And well, you don't do the money thing at the door. Oh, you don't? You, no, you just, it's like on a credit card. So you just uh, oh, do it. Oh, I thought you meant. In fact, I don't interact with the person at all. They just leave the bag at the door. Okay. And, and that's it. And they can either knock or I can just like look online and go, oh, it's here. And I go and I get it. And so, and I just uh, just pick it up from there. It's all sealed up. It's double sealed. I'm like, yeah. Take it up and you're fine. No. I'm sure you're right. To anyone, you're fine. But it just feels like getting McDonald's or like a Slurpee from 7-Eleven and having it delivered to your house is, it's a slippery slope to nowhere good. Understood. But boy, when you get a, okay, when you've got no other options of getting a Slurpee yeah, and then yeah. you, uh, you have a Slurpee just at your doorstop, like an elf <laughs> delivered. Excellent. The weird thing is when you do the Instacart thing is uh, they will sometimes want to talk to you, you know, so there's like a little chat window online. And they'll be like, they don't have this. Would you like this? Would you like? And you do beforehand, you suggest substitutions if you, they don't have the thing that you want. Mm. Uh, but, it, but then it gets into a little discussion, a little back and forth. And sometimes it's nice. <laughs> it's actually kind of pleasant. You know? Huh. And you also want to go like, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay. I just want to tell them that. It's just like, they're not going to come here and I won't be able to. Now, there's nothing wrong if you can't make it to the door. But I'm just like, no, this is... This is just plague-related stuff. That's why I'm not going out on a long walk to Superstore and then yeah. carrying heavy things of milk and juice home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just plague-related, guys. It's just global pandemic time. That's all. That's all it is. Yeah, that's all. Come on, <laughs> fellas. What's the big deal? I will. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to go, oh, the stories you'll tell about this that no one will care about. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. At work, sometime maybe four or five years before I started working there, there was a fire mm. and it was like a small fire that covered the whole warehouse in soot. And so, so all the time the guys will bring it up like, Oh, remember when there was a fire and blah, blah, blah. And everyone else who's like more recently hired is just like, Oh, <laughs> no one wants to hear that. Oh, but nothing's more interesting than the people who live through it. I'll tell you that. And well, I guess, did you hear- I guess we'll be the same. Did you hear about the fire at the the old building we used to work at? Yeah, uh, I, I saw yeah, that. Yesterday. I saw yeah, that. The, it's uh, terrible. The Wedge Building at Main and Broadway. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, the uh, uh, Frenchies, the uh, French Canadian uh, place. Uh, Mont- the, it's Montreal, all restaurant. Uh, Montreal smoked beef. Yeah, please. Yeah, that's it. It's really smoked meat now. <laughs> oh <my laughs> gosh. Smoked meat. Yeah. The smokiest yeah. of the smoked meats. But it looks like they just got just the one um, uh, business. Like, even the business, like, right next door, and it's not large, you know, yeah. it wasn't a large building. It's, uh, the one next to it looks uh, fairly fine, which... Like, I heard there hey, was a, you know, I heard there was some smoke damage, so... Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. There's no way there could be. But uh, because I've seen, you know, across the street, 
you know, as soon as like the the sushi place burned down across yeah, the street, yeah, and that took out three built three buildings, wow. and then another across the street from the building, you know, that took out everything in the block basically. You know, mm. one thing went down, yeah. so just see, just having one business go and just take out one business was uh, was surprising. I really did think, you know, oh well, this is it, this is it for that building. It's yeah, just yeah. No two ways about it. That I mean, once I was thinking like. I mean, Pulp Fiction, geez, like once it hits that, that's just, it's nothing but old books. That's <laughs> well, if, if they're densely, if they're densely packed story. enough on the shelf, they won't actually burn. Oh, because they're too, they're too close together for oxygen to, to get in there. So well, let's, uh, let's go fire. test that. I remember uh, we had a, a library fire at my elementary school in Coquitlam when I was a kid and I remember it burned quite a bit. I mean, it, it, I mean, it will burn because there's all the book sh- the bookshelves and stuff like that. But I remember looking inside and seeing all these books on the shelves. You know, and it was all burned around them, but they were they were still sitting there. So it was weird. But all the tables and everything else was in chairs and things were all gone. Oh, gone. And it's yeah, I, I, I really thought... hate that smell as well. The smell of from a a fire like that. It just, even even today, I hate it. Yeah, I um. I had to uh, empty out uh, a bookstore once, um, and uh, yeah, that smell, you don't forget that smell. Like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, just, yeah. ugh, the head in a fire. Yeah, no no yeah. good. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just glad. Cause, I mean, so many artists are in that uh, building. That's mm-hmm. where we started uh, doing this podcast. That's where yeah. my wife and I had our offices, so Why the Last Man was done there. Sparks originally, you know, was written there. I did uh, uh, used to wear his plays there. We've done so so much stuff there that it would just be such a drag. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, Johnny Christmas, you know, uh, does does his stuff there. James Lloyd, yeah, um, Robin Bougie, mm-hmm. uh, Rebecca Dart, this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, ugh, it would just be such a such an enormous drag if uh, that. And and then of course the shittiest condo in the world would uh, get built there. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more density, I mean, please. It's the it's you know I'm sure it was an accident, but. Uh, I just wish that uh, so many accidents weren't incredibly profitable, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, it's like Smokey Bear just going, only you can prevent forest fires. But if you don't, cha-ching! Yeah. You know, just saying, and then Smokey's got a couple of packed pockets there. and like, hey, Smokey, what's with that? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. Stuff happens. You've, you've heard of development light, lightning, haven't you? Yeah, does a bear have sh- shit happen in the woods? <laughs> happens. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. Also, it's Smokey Bear. Sorry, not Smokey the Bear. I uh, some people are very fussy about that. So, so there we are. <laughs> right. Please keep the pedants happy. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I am. Gl- I am glad. I am glad about that, though. Good. Yeah, I was. I was. I was at work yesterday, and someone uh, in the lunchroom said, "Oh, Dave, it's there's a fire at you know Kingsway and Broadway. That you, that's where I used to." Uh, do the show and stuff, right? And I said, "Yeah, yeah." And so we were looking at it, and it looked worse there because it was hard to tell what was on fire. You know, it's like a big plume of, of smoke coming out of it, and you're you have no idea what's affected. So yeah, fi- yeah, fire. The smoke looks insane. Yeah, it's yeah. like well, everything's gone. <laughs> it's all gone. That's right. That's, That's all right. done. Yeah, but and they were warning people from you know blocks around not to get into the area if you've got asthma or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it seems it seems all right. Uh, we did a uh, our. Was it our 300th or 400th? 400th episode? Uh, which was the one that we did at the... Uh, it was the 300th episode uh, that we did at the 8th Dimension comic store. 
and uh, yes. they're fine. They were they reopened today, all right. Oh, so. that's good. That's good. I'm yeah. glad that those places are good, are good because you know, not only even if even if um, you know even if they're okay, but the fact that if they had to close down for a couple of weeks, I'm sure they're already like precipitous oh, situation. Oh, the eight ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. like with the whole COVID thing, and now add this on top of it. Oh my gosh! So okay, and apparently they have made an arrest. Oh, it was arson. Uh, well, they made an arrest, and they don't make an arrest if it's not arson. So, uh, well, yeah. Maybe the guy was making some bad taste jokes about the incident. <laughs> okay. I'd like to, yeah, like something like the most smoked beef, like, uh, like I just did there. <laughs> oh, look out. Okay, they know the fire is an arson, they say. Okay, okay. That's a, a Vancouver uh, Police Department spokesperson. Beca- yeah, yeah, because um, James Lloyd, as you mentioned earlier, former friend of the show, he... In one of his Instagram posts, he had a, pa- a picture of the of the alley, and he said, "This is where the fire started." So it's uh, so it sounded to me like it started in the alley behind Frenchie's, not in the actual restaurant. Yeah, uh, they uh, found the suspect a uh, short distance away. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were released Thursday pending further investigation. They know it was an arson. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, no one was injured, and uh, yeah, it uh, it ended up being a three alarm fire. It engulfed six businesses. Oh, it did engulf. Oh, wow! Yeah, it said it engulfed six businesses. So I think I think that dandelion records was was lost in it. Oh, that's a drag. Yeah. Then I guess that watch repair place went. Yeah, and the record store that was across the street uh, from years ago that also went up in a fire. So, Mm -hmm. but record stores rough. Rough for the record stores. Hard for them. Yeah, I'm glad that they've caught this person. Anyway, it turns out they're a Vancouver council member. That was strange, but. Wow, political commentary. Oh, you know what? Someone did a very similar joke in the comment section, so there you go. Well done. <laughs> well, I'm glad. They suggested glad. a Scooby-Doo ending where it was very similar to what you just said. Yeah. I'm go. glad I'm following in the same furrow. That makes me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, they say that uh, Frenchie's was a, a community hub. I don't know about that. I don't that. know about that, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know. yeah I mean, bless them. Bless Plus, it's but, Frenchie's. Uh, it was the community hub. So that's Ooh, the... very good. No, Thank very you. nice. Thank oh, you. <laughs> so, so people are going poutineless in the city for a while. Oh, no. So, if anyone can donate poutine until this is uh, <laughs> taken care of, it would be uh, it would be appreciated. Uh, it's just too bad that the uh, cash money place next door didn't go up, but it didn't. It's fine. Well, that's it. Actually, it actually, it's located in a bank. It's probably like the safest building on the block there. Yeah, you're not wrong. That thing has been around for forever. That building used to be a movie theater, like a million years ago, apparently. Oh, really? Like, I, was, I was looking up old movie theaters in Vancouver, and that was uh, that was one of them. Yeah, it was attached to another building, and I think the two of them together were a movie theater. Ooh. I'll try and find that. Yeah, because it was a it was a bank that I when I knew. Oh, it. sure, sure. Yeah, it was a bank, and then it was a cowboy boot store. But before it was a bank. <laughs> It was uh, it was a movie theater. Oh, that's strange. I think, was, I think it was just called like like Vancouver Theater or something like that. Like really, really simple. Well, this story is getting but, more and more uh, questionable. Vancouver Theater. Are you theater. thinking ghosts now? Or are you thinking is this what you're saying? It was just a, it was a place called they just called it a movie theater. That's what they called it. <laughs> Don't you believe my story? All the details I'm giving you, it had seats in it. Yeah, the important thing is that it would make sense for me to lie about it because you know I get so much out of lying about something like that that makes. I don't know no what the, sense I don't know what your kickback situation is from this from this uh, antiquarian who's making up facts about Vancouver. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, they used to sell pickles at that store. I don't believe it. <laughs> I do not believe yeah. it. Yeah. That's the kind of Garbage. thing you make up just to make yourself look like a big shot. <laughs> I'm not going to get involved with big pickle. Yeah. Oh, go for a big pickle. That'd be nice. <laughs> no, I'm getting hungry. Damn it. Why are we doing a food podcast? That's our problem. Well, that's that, this is why. We just get hungry and leave. That's where the money is. God damn it. Well, I thought yeah. it was in true crime. That's left the, that's left the scene, has it? Yeah. Oh, but you, yeah, you live in a true crime household. You have someone in your house that likes true crime. Mm-hmm. That sort of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Very, yeah. very into it. In fact, you can watch the same true crime every day over and over again. For weeks on end. Isn't there more crime happening every day? And... I guess, but it takes a while for them to get it onto the screen. Did you ever watch, and I haven't watched it, did you ever watch either in its original incarnation or the current incarnation, Unsolved Mysteries? No. Okay. Wait, I, Unsolved question... Mysteries, is who was the host of it originally? Uh, it was a tough guy. I want to say Robert Stack. Is, does that make sense? Oh, Robert but it was Stack. like a UFO show? No, no, no. It was, uh, well, you could do that as well. Uh, but it would be like murders, and uh, it would also be, you know, yeah, there would be a ghost, or there'd be like a, there'd be something like that. Let's see if Robert Stack was on Solved Mysteries. Yeah, good, Ian. Well done, you. The old noodle's still working. I don't, uh, I yeah, don't believe yeah. it. Oh, well, all right. That's, it's a good point. I was trying to make myself look like a big shot. I apologize. <laughs> but I was just wondering, like, with Unsolved Mysteries, yeah. like, I assume that they're Unsolved Mysteries, so every one of them ends with, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I, mean, like, I don't know. There's a spinning or question mark at the end of every episode. Yeah, or do you know who did it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe um, it but, was you. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, pointing at the <laughs> thing. Pointing at like, the camera. If any of the unsolved mysteries get solved, yeah. like, first of all, do they have a number that goes, by the way, do you know? And then, you know, and, and I put a number up and like, oh, yeah, I should call in. And to, to, yeah, that was my dad. I was like, oh, okay. It was his dad. Well, maybe, um, maybe they, they should do like a roundup show, like uh, of mysteries that were solved. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like they must, they must, right? Well, they must. But if they're doing ghost ones, can they can they be solved? Well, it's not it, all ghosts. It ones. turns out it was a mouse. There's a mouse on the wall. Oh, oh, mouse on the wall. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So it's unsolved crimes. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Reenactments of unsolved crimes. Missing persons cases. There there you go. That's one you want to give some information. Conspiracy theories. Oh, enough of that. Unexplained <laughs> paranormal phenomena. That is a mystery. Alien abductions, ghosts, UFOs, and secret history theories. Don't, don't, they, don't those all fall under conspiracy? They all fall under mainstream everything now. Like, it's just like, it's not even, it's just, it's just is. It's just everything is that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's but right. yeah, apparently the show ran from on NBC from for ten years, from yeah. eighty seven to ninety seven. Then okay. went to CBS, huh. ninety seven to ninety nine. Then went to Lifetime, going downhill. To, each yeah, each step goes down. Yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two. Oh, it's going down another step, Jack. <laughs> okay. And then it, then it gets brought back by Spike TV. Oh boy. Who are only good because they gave my wife a couple of awards. So that's nice. Uh, yeah, got sure. Some Spike Awards. Uh, 2008 to 2010. Then yeah. it's back now yeah. on Netflix. Okay. Well, it only lasts a season there anyway. so. Well, t- usually two seasons and then they pull it. Depends on the show. Even good shows only can last a season. And it's uh, the same producers as Stranger Things. The Duffer uh, Brothers? Uh, uh, Sean Levy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess like not, one of the producers, and I'm putting that in quotes, and I'm raising my fingers up real uh, high. Yeah, not the talent, in other words. Yeah, 
But like, would uh, would 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 Lisa be interested in like a, a an unsolved mysteries type show, or is that not hardcore enough? No, she's she's into true crime, not you know not ghost stories and other nonsense. She's, okay, uh, but there is crime in this as well. Well, that's There's... fine, but I don't think she'd want to sift through all that stuff. Like, she likes watching forensic files and and um, that guy, Homicide Hunter. What was his name? That with that Sergeant. Or something, Joe Kenda, something, something got a name like that. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what you're talking about, but I like. Oh, Thomas okay. Well, it's like a. It's, okay, it's like a. Is that the name of the show? Because if it's not, <laughs> you're gonna take it. You're gonna take it. It's, I am Homicide Hunter. I'm looking that up. Oh, it is. Joe Kenda is the Homicide Hunter. There Damn. you go. Yeah, he's the Homicide Hunter. So it's like this old guy who worked for many, many years as a as a policeman, but and not in like not in anything like not a fancy place. It feels like he was like in. Colorado somewhere? I'm not yeah, exactly Colorado certain. Springs, Colorado. Oh, there you that go. Right. Well, that's I can remember Colorado. It's twice. I've said twice. That's good for me. A mnemonic thing. Because he always sings that John Denver song at the beginning of every episode. So you get this guy, and he, you feel like this guy is like as tough as old leather. You know, mm-hmm. like he's he's seen it. He's done it all. He's been you know he's seen everything. He's he's found a body by a train track that's had it been you know had its head cut off. Like it's no big deal for him. NBD he says, but he he presents a show in like a real kind of tough guy way it's so it's kind of it's kind of interesting because like they have an actor playing the young him and then you know then they cut to him now narrating the story and he'll be like i knew she was lying you know or whatever like that right and so so i thought i'd put on the pressure and then it'll cut back to the scene and it'll be like him you know the actor playing him who's i don't know he doesn't like put on that much pressure he'll be like like so where's your boyfriend or whatever and then she'll get all nervous there's this but my question is is the actor playing him does he look like him, or is it a way too handsome version of him? It's a little, little too handsome version. Yeah, that's I mean, how you sell but it. But it's hard that's to tell, though, right? To the guy. You gotta go. Here's the guy playing you. Well, perfect. Ask for more money. That's perfect. Um, no, I think. I mean, it's hard to tell, right? Like as we get older, you know, our looks diminish. I don't know if you knew that. So, so, um, you know, he may have been a handsome young fellow himself when he was younger. I, I don't know. He's just he's an older fe- he's an older gentleman now. So. So maybe you know, and he probably lived a life that wasn't really like, you know, he lived, he was like a policeman working late hours, eating eating at odd times, you know, very incredibly stressful job. So he probably, you know, he probably shows more age than he actually has on, under the belt. But okay, but uh, it's it's an okay show. But that's a, that's the sort of thing she likes, right? Like that. Mm. She even used to watch this terrible, terrible show called Fear Thy Neighbor or something like that, where <laughs> okay. it was about like. People who live next door to each other, and and then at some point they like started feuding, and then it just like builds up and builds up until it like it you know ends up in like physical assault or or even worse murder or something like that. And I'm, so do you watch this after church, where it's like love thy neighbor? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Fear thy neighbor. Like, but on the other hand, let me also, just let me just say I do not watch any of them. They are merely six seasons. Jeez. Which one is that? The Kenda one or the Fear thy neighbor? Fear thy neighbor. Oh, I know. It goes on and on. You. And the, the thing is, it's like... And it's a Canada co-pro. We're partially responsible. Oh, my gosh. And the thing about it is, is that you know the ending. Like, there's never <laughs> there's never one where they go, and then they figured out, their, they resolved their differences, and then they agreed to disagree. No, it always ends up in, in a nightmare. And I, and I feel that same way. There's a, there used to be another show called, like, um, it was called, like, oh, is it... It was a show about people dying, but it, like, it was like weird deaths or some kind of name like that, right? Okay. So it'd be like a couple who got trapped in a sauna and got cooked to death. Right, okay. N- really? It happened? No, I'm sure it has. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
I, I mean, uh, bless them both, and I'm sorry that they went went out in sauna style. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yes. But, yes, but it's weird. Or people had, like, a car fall on them. But the problem with watching it is that you're just watching someone who's going to die. Okay, if, I, if it was a show that was just people with sauna deaths, I would call the whole show uh, steamed. I would just call it steamed. It's people that, like, okay. are, like have almost died and yeah, have yeah. died. Yeah, yeah. And so the people that almost died, they're really steamed about it. They're yeah, just yeah. complaining to the sauna manufacturer. <laughs> and then the sauna manufacturer, they're steamed because they're going, we're not a steam room. We're a dry heat. Why is this show even called steam? And it's like, that's not a point. My family died in the sauna. I know, but the show's name makes no sense. It's like, you should be looking at a steam. Like, uh, I'm sorry about your family. Okay, you know, get them out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it would. It's but she Lisa eats that stuff up. I don't. She didn't really like the the weird death show. I have to admit, she was not a fan of that show. But well, let me tell you something about. Uh, uh, let me tell you about Joe. Uh, his big uh, epiphany in life. Okay. All right. Joe was uh, nine years old. This is Joe Ken that we're talking about. We're talking uh, Dave. Yeah. We're only going to talk about when I say Joe. <laughs> you know, I'm talking about Lieutenant Joe Kenda. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Homicide I... Hunter. Yeah, Colorado Springs. I just wanted. We do tend to go up and down the road. Yeah, like WKRP. Like WKRP. I just wanted to up make sure people right. people were on the same page as us. So I'm talking about Joe, that, yeah. who joined the department in '73, promoted to detective in '77. That's okay. pretty good. Seven years, pretty good. Assigned to the burglary. Did you say division. you said four years, right? Four years, yeah. Yeah. Okay. '73 to '77. That's okay. pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he solved 387 cases. That's, um, that's pretty good. That's Admittedly, good. it was Colorado Springs, Colorado, population four. So, yeah. you know. It was a lot of the same guy getting <laughs> off easy because there's a great lawyer. That's the thing. There's a great criminal and a great lawyer. So a lot of the same stuff. And a pretty good detective, though, you know, who else is it going to be? You're right. <laughs> Occasionally, they'll blame it on a drifter. But anyway, here was, here was his epiphany. Yeah. He was, uh, and you can, you can take a guess as to what happened here. All right. So he's nine years old, okay. and he's visiting the Pittsburgh Zoo. All right, and he's seeing all the animals. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And uh, and then yeah. there's a giant sign there, and it read, "Around this corner is the most dangerous animal on earth." Ah, uh, I and, can, uh, I know what's going to happen. Around the corner, yeah. And what does he see? An episode of the Twilight Zone. That's right. A mirror. A mirror is there. It was a mirror from ceiling to the floor. Yeah. And everyone was looking in the mirror and everyone was wondering, huh, what's this about? <laughs> so the most dangerous animal on earth yeah. are a bunch of dumb people. <laughs> I thought it was a mirror. The, yeah, but the, a mirror is the most dangerous animal. Is the mirrored lion. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see because it just puts your reflection back. <laughs> that, that is that is a freaky animal. Oh my god, that would be a freaky monster in a movie wouldn't it yeah Ooh, put that put that in your notebook yeah and smoke it <laughs> yeah. that'd be funny if you went around the corner yeah and like the there was already just just there in front of you like now looking at that mirror yeah was a catholic priest and the guy goes yeah you know what you pretty much good call good call yep homicide hunter <laughs> so that so that kind of set him on the course to become a policeman. Yep. 
Well, I mean... He still had a long way to go. He still had to join the police department in 73. He had to well, he, he joined... Get it. off the burglary division. He was 10... In 73, he was 10 years old. They left that part out of it. Yeah. 77, he was 14. He was a, a detective. Yeah, it should have been like kid homicide. <laughs> like a Doogie Hauser thing, but he just solves grisly murders. <laughs> With a laugh track. Yeah, why not? I mean, Doogie has his, is up to his arms and guts, right? Yeah. Like, Doogie, you don't see him covered in blood, but like, he's covered in blood a lot. Because he's a surgeon. Yeah. So yeah, you know, he's into the gore, and then why not little uh, little uh, homicide hunter? Sure, a little, little, little homicide hunter. Little homicide hunter. Yeah, and also the the uh, the murderer who's like being interrogated. Yeah. The kid comes up, and the and the murderer is not ready for this. No. He's ready for a tough guy sure. giving him some business, and yeah. all of a sudden, hey, Mister, I'm like, oh, <laughs> geez, this kid. You like, you know, it's my first day, and it's really hard. Could you just confess? It would really help me out. I just want a confession. Just a confession. All right, I did it. All right, you son of a bitch. Lock him up, boys. You got a confession. This kid's good. Little homicide hunter. In four years, oh, one, he's going to get pubes. Two, he's going to be promoted to detective. <laughs> well, I think if he's doing, if he's questioning people in a cell, he's already a detective. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yeah, like as a regular like police officer, like a patrol person, you're not going to be doing too much of that, I don't think. Okay, all right, that's fine. You're out on you're you're your beat. Good for, good for him. Good for him. Oh, the fear thy neighbor. The fear thy neighbor, uh, uh, like, image is a, is a window with a bloody hand just up against it. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. It is, a, it, is a, it is a horrible, horrible show. I really do not. That show is very disturbing. It was I developed probably... by uh, James Farr, who is not Jamie Farr. Good, that's good. But it would be better if it was Jamie Farr. And if he was dressed like Klinger in a dress... <laughs> And would just come out and just like, neighbors are weird. <laughs> you don't know what this is behind the door. You don't know. How could you know? Sometimes they're as crazy as a Section 8. Yeah. Which I wish I had gotten. How y'all doing? Jamie Fox. The thing, that, the thing <laughs> about Fear Thy Neighbor is that even more than a show, like a murder show, where someone like decides they're going to murder their wife, it's really disturbing to see people like just come to pieces and just go down a horrible road. You know, like, it's just, it's just, it's very disturbing to watch. Like, obviously it's terrible, like, a husband decides he's going to kill his wife. That, But somehow, it feels like that guy is already, like, a bad dude. And he's going to make, he's going to make decisions like that, and that's just the way he is. You know what I mean? Mm. But in the other case, it's like, just normal guy mowing his lawn, normal guy next door mowing their lawn, mm -hmm. and then they disagree about where the, exactly the boundary is between their two properties. And next thing you know, they're, like, taking bats to each other's cars. You know, like, it's just like... It takes nothing for, the, for pe like, so-called civilized people to become, like, animals. And it just, it just goes and threaten each other's wives and children and cause property damage and physical harm. And you, you're, they're just, you're they're just regular Joes. And it's also women, too. Me, it's also women, too. Like, I shouldn't... Sure, but you're making me think this would make a good uh, Norman McLaren movie. <laughs> like, everything you just said is in the movie Neighbors. It's true. It's true. Right? Did you have to watch that in school? Neighbors? Sure did. I didn't. Not only did I have to watch it in school, I had to watch it in a day, like a day camp. I went to as as a kid. I was going to say on a date. No, no, like, on a date. I asked, "Hey, what movie you want to go see?" <laughs> I want to see Neighbors. My, All right. My girlfriend's dad made made every prospective boyfriend watch this movie. Ooh. Yeah, it was very. Felt like a warning. Felt like a warning. Yeah. 
shot for people that it, don't know what it is, yeah, it's it's an anti-war movie, and it's two neighbors, and they little things they disagree about until it it just uh, builds up to where they just kill. It's each not other. that they disagree. They there's a flower that grows between their properties, ah. and they both love it so much that they begin to want to own the flower instead of share it, and then mm-hmm. so each one is pulling the flower to its side of the fence line. And then, right. and then all hell breaks loose. But what's disturbing with the film as a kid, I think, is that their faces become more and more monstrous. And it's done in a very broad way. I mean, it's just like huge. It's just like 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 theater makeup, as though it, you know they're. Yeah, ma- I think they kick a baby at a point at which it like cracked up the room, and then <laughs> other like horrible things happen, and then you're like, ah, yeah, it goes from very funny to. Oh jeez! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, when it, I think he kicks a woman in the stomach and stuff like that, like it's just like like the wives get beat up and yeah, it's just a yeah, it's just it's really uh, really it's really, and then I watched one version and they'd replaced Norman McLaren's own soundtrack with a different soundtrack, which I thought was very strange because huh. his was his was done by scratching the sound part of the of the film, so he scratched it with a pin and he made this electronic score by doing that. So the the you know the whatever the whatever's reading it the 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 thing that's reading the strip in the in the projection camera the head I guess is going through the magnetic head right like, it, it's picking up all these little things so it makes that kind of boop 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 boop, boop, boop. but it was all just yeah, by scratching it, it with a pin it's odd it's chilling but mm-hmm. it works mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah it's very it's a very effective film and then it's also done in stop motion because he was actually an animator so he did a film with humans but he treated it like it was animated and so all their act all everything they do is all stop motion as well so yeah it's very uh it's a very interesting film it's quite easy to find if you just push, punch in neighbors maybe put nfb neighbors it will come up and you can see it i'll put a link to it on the yeah we I will I mean, link to the YouTube we, we already we paid for it as taxpayers yeah we, we can have the right we have the right to see it <laughs> um I was thinking, like, with, with this fear thy neighbor thing. Yeah. Like, if I was if I was doing fear thy neighbor, first of all, I wouldn't just do like one story at a time. I do a, a series, like you know, I, I assume it's an hour long. It it's a half hour. Time. I think it's a half hour show. Oh, that's too bad. I'd make it an hour. And but what I do that's too is long. Do, it's too long. Okay. No, but no, we got to take three stories. But you Why? Have, Why? Because okay. you got to have at least one story. Yeah. Where it was all a misunderstanding. Because if they're all ending in, and then they get slaughtered, and that's the end. Yeah. Then yeah, you're right. Then it gets ugh. Who cares? <laughs> but if you don't know, if you're not sure, oh yeah, like you think yeah. you think that there's a body in the basement, and it's this and this and this. But it turned out he was just a special effects guy. He was working for da da da, and it's like, oh, what a mistake. I guess we shouldn't judge everybody yeah. by the worst things of nature. And then you go that, but then the, and you mix them up so you don't know which one is going to be you know, uh, is going to be a yes and which one's going to be a no. That way it's chilling when it actually, like, and it was, and uh, it was a murder, it was a murder situation, and it was everything, everything killing people on the roof. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah, all of those uh, Christmas decorations were actually, like, murder victims. You know, that Santa on the roof was actually a corpse. And I'm like, oh, okay, that was a good twist. But if you do, like, if it's, you're right, if it's the same thing every time, then... It's, oh. it's the same thing every time. It's not even chilling, then. It's just a bummer. <laughs> it's just a it's just a grueling death march. Yeah, I I mean, like I say, I don't really watch these shows. I I see them through uh, a form of osmosis where I'm near the television. So I might, you know, I might be in the kitchen. I might walk in for a second to say something, or I might I might sit down for a minute to look look at my phone or read or read a magazine for a while while I'm waiting for dinner to cook, and then I pick up the the whole, you know. 
I can't, you can't help but kind of get drawn in a little bit into these things. I much prefer uh, uh, Mr. Kenda. He, he, I mean, he does have a bit of a jaundiced view of humanity, but, you know, he did a job where you're, that kind of happens. But, but it is, you know, it I is interesting. I don't know who Mr. Ken, Kenda is. What is that? Mr. Kenda? That's a homicide hunter. Oh, it's, okay. All right. Fine. I don't call him Mr. I call him Lieutenant because I have respect for him. Oh, Lieutenant. I didn't, wasn't sure what his, what his actual title was. I wasn't sure he was Sergeant or Lieutenant. You know what? I don't know either. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Let's yeah. see. Let's see what he made it up to. I feel like he was uh, a sergeant, but yeah, it's a good. It's a good point. Uh, lieutenant. Oh, he did was, make it to lieutenant. Yeah, good for him. Good for, good for yeah, him. Good for him. Good for him. Good job. Good job. No, it's just when he when he said that, I was entering it, and it was like uh, Joe Kenda, who turns out to be a character on Little House on the Prairie. Which, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Yeah, there was probably murder in Little House on the Prairie. I'm pretty hope, sure there was. I hope his wife's name was Barbie. Oh, Barbie Kenda. Yeah, that'd be good. And they have their dream home and they travel around <laughs> solving murders. Uh, Bar- Barbie and Kenda. Um, it must be yeah. so weird for, like, say, you're a guy who worked with him in the 70s, right? And you know Joe as Joe. And you know him yeah. as a cop. And sure, he's a bit sure. of a tough guy and all this. And then, you know, you live your life and you retire. And you're at home and you're watching... TV and then Joe shows up and yeah. a star of a yeah. fucking TV show. <laughs> Joe getting to be a star of a TV show. It's ridiculous. What's Joe doing there? Yeah, yeah. To be, be to weird. be fair, to be fair to guy who worked with him in the seventies, it's you know it's on like a cable channel, and I doubt that it has much of a budget, and I'm sure that there's not much money in it. But it is weird. Like I, whenever I watch it, I, always, I I would think to myself, what made this guy? Like, what made him get a show like this? This is, you know, he's not like he's not like a tough new New York City cop who, like, you know, saw like lots of different, you know, high profile criminal cases and stuff. No, he's a guy who was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Like, not to put down Colorado Springs, I'm sure it's a beautiful town, but you know, Colorado Springs. Like, well, you know what I'm saying? So, but I feel like I feel like someone knew him and they thought, man, he's a good storyteller. I'm gonna like pitch a show with him as like. You know, we've got at least 387 different stories we can tell, and we'll pitch it and see what happens. And they pitched it, and then maybe they put together a little thing where he's talking and telling a story. And they said, like, so we'll cut intercut between him and 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 the, you know, and the action in the past. We'll use a, we'll use actors or performers to play like different characters. And uh, and I'm just thinking to myself now that the you know that this is the equivalent of in the 1950s, like doing one of these shows is it, it's the equivalent of being in the 1950s and working in industrial films. I think. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just like small crew, not that much money. You're doing okay, you know. You can you can get by as an actor, but you're not making big bucks. You're just doing all right from it, you know. But there's a lot of work, so you. But the thing is, like, if you watch those shows, it feels like it's never the same actors. You know, like there's more actors repeating appearances on on sitcoms than there are in these shows. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know where they get like this limit un- unlimited number of people that to act in these things. You know, and, and and also like you're in one of these shows now. Wherever you go, people who are fans of these shows, you're a murderer. Well, you know, I always thought that about Crime Stoppers because that would, you know, we used to have that every night. Yeah. Where it'd be like Crime Stoppers is looking for uh, tips on this crime, and then they'd recreate a crime. Yeah. And they'd shoot it like it was like police footage, kind of, not police footage, but like um, video footage from the store of like a robbery. Yeah. And uh, and so the person would come in. And it's a reenactment. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rob's person or whatever. And yeah. then they, at the end, they'd have like a still photo of the real person. Yeah. And go like, we're looking for this person. Yeah, but 
if they see you, the actor, yeah, yeah, they're gonna think it's you, right? <laughs> like they're gonna tackle you. Yeah, yeah. Because the you, it's you. Yeah. But yeah, they had enough actors to do those for forever. So. Yeah, I guess so. I guess. I guess there's a lot of actors out there. To... I'm betting it's a non-union thing. I'm betting there's. Oh, a lot I'm of... quite sure. I think it's very low budget. I think you know it's probably I one. Think, you know one what I camera. think it is too. Yeah. Uh, um, this show is on. This show is on the Discovery Channel, right? I think this is not uh, Investigation Discovery. It's not called. There's a new channel for off just for these shows to be on. Okay. Well, here's what. Here's how you get around this. Sometimes it's like if it's a documentary or if it's like it's not. It's not a, a thing with acting. It's you're recreating yes. for a documentary. Yeah, there are loopholes. Uh, it was it was like when I used to I used to work for a show called Street Sense for the CBC, and so when we would, and I sometimes got hired as an actor on it, and like when you got hired as an actor on it, it wasn't a union gig as an actor because you were actually technically a news show, huh. and so it was a news show that was hiring people to recreate or do something or you know do an example of somehow there was a big loop. Uh, then you could like whoop, not pay people as much, and yeah. that's what uh, that's what they did. So I'm pretty sure it's gonna. It, that's what's happening with this. Yeah, and, no, uh, I know. I have no doubt that I have no doubt they cut all the corners they can to make, make these shows. Yeah, but so yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, like Lisa, Lisa loves any any of these shows. If it's, there's English shows, there's Canadian shows, there's American shows, and they all they all are the same. They're all. I wonder if there's a comfort to, like, uh, the first thing I thought of when you were talking about how all these episodes, like, especially, like, Fear Thy Neighbor, are the same. Yeah. Is, uh, it reminded me of the Hallmark romantic movies, where if you watch them, they're exactly the same. Like, they're exact. like, I've, I've, I've been trying to write one just for fun. Yeah. Uh, and my, my agent gave me, like, a bunch of the scripts. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is just the lock formula. You yeah, just gotta, yeah. Yeah. Cut and paste basically people in and then find a good goofy title that, you know, it's kind of cute. It says love. And I'm like, OK, well, why do people want to watch these? Because, you know, what's going to happen? And then I was like, oh, that's it. It's like the comfort of sit down, know exactly what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, everything else is so chaotic in the world. Maybe just like no surprises. The TV show sounds pretty good. You know, all right. And even if it's a horrific thing, you know the horror that you're sitting down for and it's uh it's fine it's interesting i i this is slightly go off the topic but but kind of in the same vein i've actually had i've been i think i mentioned i've been trying to like actually watch movies that are available on my movie channel you know like we have crave and so it has you know various movies as they come out of the theaters remember those days as they come out of the (laughs) theaters and go on to the television and i you know I often will like put off watching films and then by the time I like think to myself, you know, I should really watch blah, blah, blah. And then I go look up blah, blah, blah. And it's gone. And I'm like, I miss blah, blah, blah. Damn it. <laughs> so I been trying so to like, you could miss something in this day and age. Yeah, I know. I'm sure it's it'll, sh- I'm sure it'll show up on Netflix or it's whatever. It's in the but... Disney vault. There's no getting it. Back. <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Like it's gone yeah. from that convenient place. So, so I, um, I've been trying to like watch ones that I I want to watch, right? So, but I've had a big I've had actual like trouble watching horror movies the last little while. And normally I I enjoy them quite a bit and I have no trouble like pop popping one on and and enjoying it, but I don't know, I've just been maybe that's it. Maybe just the 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 way the world is right now, you just you, you want something that you want something that's kind of predictable and warm feeling and this kind of when you're when it's done you feel like Ah, that's 
what the world is like. There we go. That's nice. Yeah. Not, oh, what a shit show. <laughs> People are horrible. Oh, my God. Or whatever the movie is trying to tell us about ourselves. Yeah, I watched Brightburn the other day. That, that, I was just kind of curious how they, they handled the... Just thinking about Homelander from... Yeah. The boys. Now this is uh, is James Gunn just the producer or did he He's write it? He's just the well? producer. His uh, his brothers I think wrote it. Okay. And then someone else directed it. And it's uh it's basically of Superman but dark. It is takes the Superman story but it ha- it pretty much gives its it pretty much shows its hand very early in the film because there's a a part of the movie where they're being taught in class about these wasps that are kind of like cuckoos in that they cannot they have to have other insects raise their children for them, mm-hmm. and so they'll they'll like they'll like take over a they'll kick out all the babies from a uh, from a, a nest, and then they'll put their own babies in place of them. Wasn't this the plot of that other movie that you were wanting to watch, like we were talking about? That was like the couple that moves into the house. Uh no, a Vivarian, Vivarian. No, that's a bit different. That's a different. Doesn't that have like an insect thing similar to that? Like as like the top showing what what it's all about. No. No. Okay. That is different. That is more like it's a bit darker than that. It's not. Okay. It, it's uh, more of a metaphysical or psychological film. No, it's got. Okay, sorry. I'm looking. I'm looking here and like yeah. Vivarium. I'm looking at the plot. Yeah. Like the film opens with a short clip showing the parasitic lifestyle life cycle of cuckoos who lay their eggs in the nests of other birds. Once hatched. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Well, that does make sense in terms of the plot. Yeah, I missed that part of it. Actually, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I actually took it in a bit of a different way, but okay. I guess that's, I guess that's part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> but there's <laughs> makes a w- you, makes you think. But it's okay, weirder than. Go on about the bright bird. But it's weirder than that, though. Uh, Vivarium, like it has this. Sequ- it's very, it's very strange. But anyway, so okay. yeah, Brightburn. Yeah, so so Brightburn is a little bit different. Like so, so the Superman story is, of course, Superman comes to Earth. He's an alien, but he's a he's kind of like us. He's you know very very. Uh, in terms of physiognomy, he's very similar to us, and I mean this. And then he, you know, and then he can be like molded by the goodness of Ma and Pa Kent into being like a, a good person. And then he takes those values and he uses them to fight for good. In Brightburn, this is a spoiler, everyone. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to watch it, you maybe you should go, go ahead. Go ahead five, about ten minutes. Go ahead, something. yeah, five or ten minutes. Um, in in Brightburn, the it's not a, he he is like a cuckoo who's been put into this nest of this childless couple who then look after him until he reaches puberty and then he kind of turns on he, the the spaceship became in it activates him and then he becomes like this killing machine mm-hmm. and there's no good or bad he's just he is just what he is do you know what i mean like like you can't apply a moral com- compass to him because he is just like a creature who like a cuckoo like a cuckoo just isn't bad. It's just it is what it is, right? I mean, it kicks baby the other babies out of the nest to get fed, mm-hmm. and that of course is horrible. But it's not like it's not like an evil act. It just does it out of instinct, and that's kind of like in this movie. Like he has, and the my problem with the film is that it's just like it's just like a train to inevitable conclusion, which is that he kills everyone that he he knows, and then he just becomes like a killing machine, and then the movie ends with sort of like news clips of, of mayhem that he's causing in this small town, and you just imagine getting bigger and bigger, and then that's the end of the world. And and there's no way to stop. And there's no way to stop him because he's so like there's no Superman. equivalent of like in this world that we're doing the flip on Superman. There's no equivalent of like a Lex Luthor 
who's actually a good guy in this one because he's actually legitimately trying to stop the Superman that is going to kill the world. You know, you could you could do that as a sequel, I suppose, but there is no hint of that in the film. The, okay. hint, the hint of the film is like him in outer space shooting the, the Earth with his eye beams and destroying it. So, okay. so that's like a drawing he's done. So that's something that's in his mind is something he needs to do, right? Okay. And my, but my problem with it is I don't mind the idea of that necessarily. Like it's kind of a cool idea. The idea of like, you know, an alien race that, that, you know, just plants its children on other planets for them to look after. But it doesn't make sense that they would destroy the planet because then where do they, where do they go? You know, like where do they have their next babies raised? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's stupid in that sense. But then it would also be more interesting if you take that idea, but then you have a clash between who he is in, in terms of his instincts and who he is as a person who's been raised by a, a loving couple who have taught him right from wrong and given him a moral compass. You know, and then you have like this clash within him between his instincts to be a destructive insect, you know, like the wasp metaphor, or for him to be a good person who can who can fight against that urge, yeah. you know, and, and be good despite those, those things. So you could have him like, you know, start off being bad, but then, you know, through the, his, the love of his parents or through his own willpower, the, the things that he knows, the sense of right and wrong that he stops doing it and he becomes like a force for good. That would have been a more interesting movie, but instead you just get this like, you know, like a roller coaster to the end. And then you're just like, okay, well, like you ended the movie, like well, that's great. Okay, like what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I guess you're gonna yeah. drop. I guess you're gonna drop a person from outer space to the ground, and they're gonna die. Okay. What's that symbol on your on your shirt stand for? Hopeless. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, that's it, right? I mean, and I, I, you know, like sometimes, you know, I've talked about this before, and I, I do not mind a grim ending to a film. It, that does not negate a movie for me. But if if your movie can't even like set up like a a, a philosophical situation where you you know like you know what i mean like when a movie ends like that i want to come out of that movie and think like i want to be like oh that's terrible but you know that's sometimes life is like that we can't always control everything that happens around us and sometimes bad things happen to us you know and and you hope that you act you hope that you act honorably or or against whatever is happening to you until the bitter end you know Mm -hmm. but just to have a movie that's just like oh well you know there's no way to fight it. Everyone's going to die. Like, well, okay. <laughs> I guess that's an ending, but like, man, you think that these guys are grown-ups, you know? They're not teenagers. Like, you can take a you can take a like a, a like a plot like that and make it into something more more substantial, I think. Instead of, you know, just sort of like it is what it is or just like this sort of sequence of events like a flip flip card. Does he have any weaknesses at all? No. Okay, well, that's again, that's not Superman. This is the problem. It's like you're doing a Superman thing, but you're not doing all the flips. It's yeah, like, yeah. There should be then something that. Well, Superman you know, does. Ha- Superman has no weakness, right? Yes, he does. Kryptonite. Oh, sorry, this guy has. He sorry, he does have a weakness, which is his ship that he came in. Whatever it's made of can hurt him. There you go. Okay. So that is a weakness. So there is potential if someone knows that his parents hid yeah. a spaceship in the bar, the cellar of the barn, and they they go and get it. Then, yeah, but I mean, so there is some well, possibility. I mean, what's his name? Uh, Michael Rooker is uh, is in it, right? He's a conspiracy nut. He's uh... he's only in it in the end credits. This is a guy oh, talking okay. about it as a. See, that would be interesting too. Like, why not have him in the movie? Like, trying to, yeah, that's another idea. Like, have a parallel plot with him, 
investigating this thing and and you know but instead in the movie uh, Elle Elizabeth Banks is the mother who who cannot believe this about her son and refuses mm. to accept you know all the evidence until finally she cannot she cannot deny it anymore and then she goes and she gets a piece of metal from the spaceship and she she like talks to her son and she makes him you know she you know uh hugs him and then she raises the thing to stab him in the back literally and then mm. but he prevents her he grabs her hand and then and then takes her up into up into the sky and then drops her to her death mm. and that's the end of the okay. movie that's the final person who could stop him of that of that first set yes i guess you i can imagine well maybe someone will know that there's a spaceship in the cellar and they'll go and get it and then they'll you know like i guess there's a glimmer a faint glimmer of hope but <laughs> but yeah i would be more interested in like the character like the the boy doing that you know like like you know, he introduces this character that you're supposed to like. Like the boy isn't like he's not a jerk. He's a nice little boy, and then this thing happens to him. Like puberty happens to him. Yeah. And then he becomes a jerk, which you know I did when I when I went through puberty. Sure. I became a jerk. That's true. But, but I did you not didn't kill your parents. Yeah, I didn't go around breaking people's hands and 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 killing my parents. Yeah, just their hopes and dreams. Yeah, sure, but that's your job. Yeah, that's right. That's what I was there for. That's, as a kid, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's too, like again, it's so weird for me when I saw when I saw that. I was like, oh, it's a dark version of Superman. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, you know. Did you yeah. see it, or did you mean you just saw the you saw no, the, no, the I stuff? Just, like, I yeah. saw what it was about, mm-hmm. and I kind of got the gist, and yeah, I read yeah. it, and I went like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. I don't, I don't see anything, you know, unless it's stylistically, it's so beautiful that it's worth me seeing. Yeah. It's like. Eh. Yeah. You know, already again, Man of Steel, Superman's so dark that it's just. Well, why do we need a dark version of that? Even even darker one. Yeah, where there's absolutely it's no like, hope at all. I just finished reading um, Superman Smashes the Clan, um, which is done by uh, Jean uh, Luen Yang. Uh, are you familiar with this at all? Nope. Okay, so it's loosely based on it's a it's a it's it's done in graphic novel format. It was like the three kind of a graphic novel books that's now collected into one. And it's uh, Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. And it's based on Clan of the Fiery Cross, which was a radio serial, uh, Adventures of Superman story that was done in 46. Wow. And what happened with that story was uh, Superman basically like went up against the Klan on radio and like just spilled all the beans on the Klan. Like, uh, did give all these secrets about the clan away, all these code words, let let everyone know what their rituals were, just exposed all the bigotry of the clan, and just made the clan look like assholes. And this just took them down. And it was a huge hit. And basically, the clan were fucked after that. Like, they, their membership went way, way down. And they were, you know, it, it, you know, they're still obviously members of the Ku Klux Klan, but like it was, it was a very big organization. And then Superman going, these guys are shitheads. Anyway, here's all their <laughs> secrets. Oh, hmm, done. <laughs> Fuck it. And that was like in 1946. So that's strong, strong language for 1946. A little, a little bit, but it's Superman. What are you going to tell him? You know, <laughs> no, he'll, he'll burn you. So the idea, so the idea is, this is a story taking place in 46, and it's a Chinese American family that's showing up in Metropolis. Uh, but there is prejudice with the Klan. But the story they've got going on with Superman, which is interesting, is this is back when Superman uh, couldn't fly. He could just, like, jump uh, over over tall buildings or you could run really fast. He could do all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it was because he was in denial of his alien side. He was sort of worried about people's prejudice himself. 
And so he would only do things that uh, a, a human could do. So he could run fast, but he, you know, but humans can run fast, but he could run really fast. You know, he's stronger than a person, but he, people can still lift stuff. Yeah. But he, but he wouldn't be, he wouldn't do anything with like vision powers or flying. And so the whole thing, uh, while he's fighting the clan in this and, you know, the, you know, it's it sort of um, inspiring others to do the same is he's learning himself to overcome, uh, you know, uh, his fear that people will not like him if they know he's an alien. Huh. And uh, and that prejudice, and so yeah, it's, yeah. You know, by the end, he, he, you know, the little girl who is kind of our, uh, you know, protagonist through this, you know, uh, lets him know, like, you know, you can fly, you know, you and you should fly because that's who you are, and you know, if they don't like it, well, you know, you gotta you gotta still do it, you gotta be you, <laughs> and so yeah, huh. he learns to fly by the end, and it's a it's it's a very down to earth story, it's very sweet, and it also has a nice origin story of him when he was a little kid, him going to the circus. And uh, there's a guy who takes his ticket as they go to see the strong man and this guy's bald. And then you go into the, uh, the circus and it's the strong man and he's all dressed in a strong man outfit. He's got long flowing hair and it's Samson. And, uh, and, and Superman is like, well, that's, that's the guy that took our tickets. And I was like, no, he's not. He's got a long head of hair. It's like, <laughs> no, he's got a, it's the guy. It's like, what do you mean? He's dressed completely differently. They're like, no, it's the it's the guy. Look, he's smiling. The other guy was a big grump. It's like, what? <laughs> and then afterwards, he talks to the guy and he's going, yeah, people see what they want to see. You know, distract him with a costume, put a little thing on, change your change your you know smile, and uh, yeah, no one will know. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, all right, that was kind of a good little origin thing there as well. Huh. But yeah, it's a fun it's a fun story, and it's it's nice hearing back on uh, how. A radio show really uh, messed up the clan back in 1946. So good for Superman. That's the Superman I like. That guy. Not, uh, <laughs> not, not don't save people, Clark. They're they're <laughs> not worth it. They might hate you. Yeah. Don't reveal who you are. You'll just make people angry. Oh. I know. I mean, we've talked about Man of Steel before, but it just bums me out that Superman has two terrible dads. <laughs> two terrible dads. And and what also seems dumb to me in that is. There's never a moment where those two dads meet. I've never seen that. And it's like, that would be great. It's like you got Kevin Costner and Russell Crowe, and like Kevin Costner ends up going into whatever the Fortress of Solitude is and like actually has a conversation with Superman's other dad. Yeah. And like the two dads talk it out. I'm like, hmm, I need that scenery chewing scene for an actor. And there you go. <laughs> That's what you want, I guess. Yeah. I always wanted to see that, like, if you're going to do something as a broad comedy. Uh, thing it's just like the one is the hick dad and the other is the sci-fi nerd dad and they're constantly trying to help superman and he's like i don't want your help it doesn't help me at all well i reckon this is a lot like that problem we had with the cow and like i bought i made you a death ray i don't need the death ray and it's not at all like the cow <laughs> neither of you are helping here at all how about a black hole maker we don't need that we don't need that well, this is like when the chickens, no, it's not. No, it's not at all. Get out of here, you. <laughs> yeah, it would be, um, uh, well, I don't know if I like the idea of the, the uh, Pa Kent meeting Superman. You don't like the idea of him meeting Jor-El and Laura? Of them, yeah, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like, like it's like sort of the two sides of Superman's character. And you almost think like the two, the two 
halves meeting, it almost like resolves that part of his character. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I can do that. Sure. So then you've kind of like, oh, there goes that storyline. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, it's like the adopted parents meet the birth parents. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. what's that like? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. hey, nature, hey, nurture. It's nice you both showed up. Well, okay, what are we going to talk about? I'm sure. I'm sure they've met in the uh, in the comics. They yeah, in, yeah. Infinite comics and. Yeah. I mean, Superman, I think, has gone to the dentist like three times. So, you know, it's uh, it's all if uh, they ran out of stories a long, long time ago. Yeah, I guess but, it would, I guess it would be kind of unfair to Superman's Kryptonian parents. But I, I feel like that the more interesting thing is the contrast between Jor-El as like kind of a cold scientist type of person. And then uh, Pa Kent is a sort of warm farmer, sort of avuncular um, character. But whatever. Yeah, I was. I kind of like the idea that uh, Jor-El was always a rebel, you okay. know. And they did a thing a while back where it was, uh, you know, uh, super, uh, couples didn't even have sex on Krypton. Yeah. They just like got you know bits of them taken out and put into a tube, and yeah. they'd all move the thing, and it's like, man, they should, he should be the rebel. They should be the rebel scientists, and so that because he's a rebel, he, that was the only reason he was able to figure out. Oh, you know what? No one's paying attention to this planet's going to explode. Yeah, and uh, it's like, no, you rebel, get out of here. You you and, just want someone to ask Jarrell, what are you rebelling against? And he says, what do you got? Yeah, and then boom. That <laughs> <laughs> well, just blows on up. That's how that, that's how that goes. Um, do you, do you have uh, other subjects to talk about on, on this show? Well, no. I had just one more thing I was going to bring Please up. Please do, actually. yeah. No, no, no. It was uh, something we were talking about earlier, and it just kind of sparked my... I was just thinking about the fact that one... Did someone say spark? Someone's... Okay, <laughs> someone's... Yes, I said spark. So, um, when I was growing up as a kid, when you were growing up as a kid, we didn't wear seatbelts. We just roamed the car as if it was a jungle gym as children. Uh, warm in the front seat, didn't warm in the back seat, yes. Oh, is that right? You wore it in the front seat. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you were in the front seat, you would wear a seatbelt for sure. Yeah. Your parents wore, wore seatbelts? In the front seat, yes. Oh, Front my parents... seat, yes. Back seat, no. My parents never wore seatbelts. Oh, okay. And I never wore seatbelts. I think my brother had a car seat when we were kids. It was like the, it was like this car seat made of like metal and plastic pieces, you know, like like the old chrome metal, you know, like chrome tubes. And then these like these sort of hard, pla- not even hard plastic, but like like just like pieces of wood, I guess, that had like vinyl over top of them. Okay. Just... I'm just looking when uh, seatbelts became mandatory in Canada, which was uh, January 1st, 1976. Wow. Well, I did not start wearing a seatbelt myself until I was in university. And they became mandatory in the U.S. Yeah. in 68. Mandatory? Mandatory, yes. I don't believe they were mandatory that early. Are you talking about mandatory in cars or mandatory to be worn? I think uh, it was Mandatory, until... yeah, seatbelt, use law... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, kicked in in 76 uh, in, in Canada. Wow. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, belt, yeah, there we go. Uh, uh, because more than 40% of drivers from 74 to 76 were not using shoulder belts, and that all changed in 76 when it became uh, mandatory. But, uh, yeah, it seems a little early in the, uh, in the States, doesn't it? Because I'm trying to think when Ralph Nader did his business with that. Well, he wasn't talking. Uh, he wasn't really talking about that originally, but I guess I guess it kind of came as part of it. He was more just a general bat. Okay, sorry. That was the first. Okay, that wasn't in all the states in in uh, in '68, okay. but that was the first uh, the first state to require seatbelts uh, and and cars and for them to be mandatory. Yeah, that was in Wisconsin 
in uh, in the states. Okay. So okay, okay. but please continue with. Uh, your uh, reckless story of your, 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 your <laughs> yeah, no, just because I just find it like interesting. Like, well, I did not. Yeah, that's fascinating that there were there law that because we never as kids we were never made to put on our seatbelts. We just we just sat in the back seat, you know, hope for the best, I guess. And yeah, I, I know a lot of people were. Ma- oh, sorry, uh, in BC it was seventy seven. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. So when did you start wearing a seatbelt? I would have started in eighty seven, eighty eight. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. Okay, so now we're talking mandatory seatbelt laws. Okay, so I might be going with every seat in the vehicle must have a seatbelt. Yeah, that's different. That's a different thing. Yeah, that's Okay, right. so 87 was when in Alberta it became mandatory, and I know those guys fought it like nobody's freaking business. Yeah, so it probably was, it probably was, um, let's see here. So, huh. Yeah, it's, um, wow. It says it was... The list includes only seatbelt laws, which often do not themselves apply to children. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, 16 plus in all seats, British Columbia in 1977. But that was only 16 plus, not for under 16. Mm-hmm. How weird. Anyway, I like I say, I did not grow up wearing them. I did not start wearing them. I, even when I was driving, as a driver, I did not wear them until a bit later. Then I I just, you know, it got, it got to the point where I, it was just like, it was too risky to be driving around without wearing a seatbelt on um because the police would pull you over and give you a fine if you if you were caught without one and i do remember having like a few close calls where i had to like you know kind of like surreptitiously pull it across my lap and 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 buckle myself in while the policeman was walking towards us because you would get stopped for seatbelt checks at that time so it feels like it's weird to me that they were doing seatbelt checks in 1987 a full 10 years after the law had come in. Like, doesn't that seem strange? Have I? I've never been in a seatbelt check since that time period. So I've always assumed that it was around that time that it became a yeah, law. Yeah. Because... What, what didn't you like about seatbelts? Didn't like the feeling of them. You didn't like uh, yeah. not going through a window if you went were in an accident. They just felt. Like, what was against them? Well, yeah, that's just. I mean, you you know, well, you're, I'm a young person, Ian. I'm not thinking about I'm going through a window. Yeah, and I remember when you were a young boy, you played the silver ball. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I played with two silver balls and. Ooh. What? And so I, you know, that's not something you think about as a, as a, as a kid, right? I didn't, like, I didn't jump off the roof of my parents' house into the pool and think to myself, I'm probably going to hit the cement and die, right? I just jumped but off the roof into the pool. Here's the thing. If you were jumping off the roof of your parents' pool, or like, yes. if you're jumping off the roof of a house yeah. and, uh, and, and there was a net there and yeah. you went, oh, I don't like the feel of the net, <laughs> move the net out. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, yeah. the, like. It's not like you have to pay extra for it. No, you don't do it's just no. like this is the thing that will. But this is like, oh, it's, it's like, oh, I don't want to have to get in the car and pull this belt across my lap and buckle <laughs> it in. Ah. Like, it's so nothing. And I can just amazing. get, I can just stop the car and get out of it. I don't have to like undo it and get out. Ugh. Yeah. Ah. So do you feel boring. It's similar to um, masks now. Well, this is what I'm getting to, right? So. Oh, sorry, I jumped ahead. You jumped the queue, sir. All right, very good. Please continue. So, you know, eventually I did start wearing my seatbelt. First, I would wear the lap belt because I used to drive like a a old muscle car. Right, you want to show off your chest. I want to show off my chest. Yeah, unbuttoned shirt down to your navel. That's what muscle cars are for, exactly. Yeah. So, so they, but in the old ones, because they, the way the laws were, they came with a separate lap and shoulder belt. So you could do up your lap belt and just leave your shoulder belt tucked in into the little holder part in on the on the roof of the or the the ceiling of the of the car I guess you could call it. And so it's not called a ceiling I can't remember the name of that part. But anyway, so then 
And then eventually, I remember my friend at one time telling me about a story about some woman who was in a car accident and she lost the lower part of her jaw. And I was like, huh. And then I just started wearing my lap belt from then on. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. Uh, and that, but now, like, I won't even, like, get into a car and drive around the corner from my, you know, from, like, say, I got out of the car at our mailbox, check the mail, got back in the car. I will put on my seatbelt and then drive, like, 50 yards into into my, I'm putting it in, in uh, Imperial just for you because you said you like pounds. Oh, thank you so much. No, no problem. 50 yards into my, into my driveway. I'll put on my seatbelt just for that. Like, I'm just, I'm so, like, um you know, programmed for it now. So the other day I w- w- drove into to Langley, uh, but the problem was is that because I was doing uh, the brakes on Mary's car um, last week because I, I drove it, she wanted to borrow our truck so, so that she and her boyfriend Duncan could move. And okay. so then Lisa took my car and then I got Mary's car. And so I was driving Mary's car and I went to stop at, a, at the stop sign, like leaving our cul-de-sac. And I was just like, do these brakes even work? Oh, it's like just, uh, crushing my, pushing down on the, the brake pedal, and then I stopped, you know, like like a couple of feet out, out past the, the stop sign. And I was like, oh my god, are there brakes in this car? So then, you know, I I got used to driving it, but I, they were just terrible. So I said to Mary, I'm going to. I said, when were your brakes done last? And she goes, I don't know. I've I've never done them. So I'm like, oh okay. So I I took them apart. I well, I, you know, I got brake the brake pads and stuff, and then. When I went to do them, I I discovered that her brake, the calipers, were rusted in place, so they weren't working properly. So on the one side, I was able to... There's these pins that go in. It's kind of complicated, but I, I won't go too detailed. But I was able to, like, bang them, like, to crack them, like, with a socket wrench, like, kind of crack the rust that was holding them in place, okay. and then and then drive them out with a hammer. But the other side, I broke the head off of one of them, and I was able to get the... I was able to get the other one out, but I broke the head off the other one, and so it was stuck inside this this mount. So then I tried to like, I actually took it to my father-in-law's, and together we we heated it up, we banged it with a hammer, we tried to drill it out. It was just, it was just impossible. It was just stuck in there for forever. So then I had to buy a new caliper. So in, while all this is happening, I had no car that w- like I couldn't drive my car, and Mary was using the truck. So when I finally got it fixed, a few days you know, a few days later, I drove it into. Um, Langley to, to uh, get something but because it wasn't my car I didn't have my mask in it and Mary didn't keep keep I guess because she has a purse so she keeps her masks in her purse and so and so when I got to the to the mall I didn't have a mask mm. and so I went in and I was like so guilty feeling like mm. I was just, like walking around it's just like oh my god I feel like such a jerk oh and so I, I basically walked in the door walked about 25 feet or so inside and then it said he made a u-turn and i walked back out and i left yeah, and yeah. i just went home again i was like ugh, this is terrible oh yeah i just couldn't i couldn't do it i don't know i don't know how people can walk around without masks and maybe it's just because i've been you know i've been wearing them for you know months and months now and i've just become very used to it and i but i feel really like nervous not just i don't feel nervous for me i feel nervous for other people yeah and i feel like i don't want them looking at me and going what a jerk like that's also part of it too right like i'm very i'm very much you know maybe oversensitive to people's what people think about me thank you mom and so you know i might i'm thinking like oh everyone's just like hating on me so so i just left yeah well it's just you know i i mean i never am at a point where i go like you know what i feel a hundred percent 
I know I'm fine. No, I don't. So, like, of course you got to wear one because yeah, yeah. you don't know. And even if you don't have any symptoms, you can still have it and you can still give it to someone and you can still really hurt them. So it's like, it's just such a selfish thing to not. But yeah, I understand. Yeah. Uh, like seatbelt, it, 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 I guess like, you know, it was always like a macho thing. I remember there was a guy uh, who I used to work with who would make a big thing about just like, you know, you know, this is my right. It's my, you know. I, I, I make my own rules. And it was just like, he was, he was, it was a rebel thing for him. Yeah. But I'm like, what's the fucking rebel thing about going through your fucking glass, you know, here in an accident? <laughs> like, what's the, what's so rebel about that? Like, there's something you could do that's so simple that will make you not go through the window. Yeah. How does that sound? But like you say, someone losing their job, you know, just terribly, terribly, horribly injured. And if you're not thinking about yourself, someone's going to have to pull you out of this thing. You know, it's not a romantic thing to be in a horrible car accident, <laughs> you know, and people are going to, well, they're not going to like, you know, there have been songs about it, but like when, you know, your gory remains are like smeared all over the dashboard, you know, no one's going to go up and go, cool, pretty cool, that guy was pretty badass, could have wore a seatbelt, didn't, good for him, eh, good for him, yeah, so it's like, no, seatbelt it up, man, he's a dude, so, so strange, cool dude, but yeah, we didn't wear them in the back seat for the most part. Um, yeah, for a long, no. long time, and uh, you know, because when we take long naps or stretch, go go sleep back there, or, you know, we just have a. You know, when we went on long car trips, mm -hmm. I remember like we would go uh, these trips that were like three hundred miles, yeah. and um, you know, we'd have pillows back there and just a bunch of books and just yeah, you'd never have a seatbelt on. You couldn't keep a kid in a seatbelt for like that amount of time. There's no way <laughs> that's gonna happen. And uh, now yeah. there is, and it's crazy, you know, like because kids are. Kids are basically in car seats in cars until they're like 11 years old. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just so different now. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the kids, okay, so kids are in car seats like that. Do kids still, you're in more of a rural area. Do kids still get into like the back of trucks and like, you know, lie down and like drive No, like of course that? not. That would, I don't know. The mere idea of that is just insane. Isn't, I mean, I, I did that as a kid too. My, my uncle had a pickup truck and I remember him driving us between Coquitlam and oh, yeah, North yeah, yeah. Delta awesome. and, in this yeah. truck. And I remember... And my, my friends from my dad had a, a station wagon, and we were always in the back of that, you know, and the window was down, the window rolled down in it, and a bunch of kids are in the back of a station wagon driving around. Yeah. It's madness. It's just insane to think of now. But, you know, you know, listen, if you died... I'm listening. You would have gone to heaven. It was okay. Don't yeah, they still had it. heaven back then. That's right. There was still a heaven in those climate, days. Climate change in the ozone destroyed we, heaven. I we, were, about that. we were less concerned about our, our uh, about our, our, our good health in those days. We just that's fine. Yeah, all the hippies got to heaven and ruined it. <laughs> now it's just you, know, you don't even want to go. You just don't want to go. It's just it smells. It's patchouli. <laughs> just uh, that is <laughs> started. That is um, I, I want to give you a recommendation when you're talking about things to watch. Oh sure, sure. Okay, so this is my strong recommendation. Okay. Okay, sure. it's a very strong recommendation. Okay. of a show that I saw uh, advertised and went, eh, I'm not interested in that at all. And then I had enough <laughs> people go, I think you would be. I'm like, I don't think I would be. I'm okay. like, eh, I think you would be. And back and forth for so long. Um, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. It's on Apple TV. Well, uh, it stars Jason Sudeikis as an American football coach. Okay, he goes to the UK uh, to um, coach soccer. He's never coached soccer. Uh, people think he's a wanker, and uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's the premise. And you go like, all right, that sounds like it's going to be fine. Dumb American, yeah, yeah. overly American guy yeah. goes. No, it's all about kindness. Fish out of water. 
No, it's all about, and not even fish out of water because- Fish and chips out of water, fish and chips out of water. There you go. He doesn't like tea, that's one thing. Oh uh, my God. So, so there we go. But everything else- Me neither. He's just really kind. And like, he's just a really kind guy who's very smart and very good at his job and has a friend who's also a coach who's there with him, huh. who's also really kind and very smart and very good at their job. And then there's a characters, you know, some characters who are jerks, but then we get into why they're jerks. Yeah. And they're interesting. And by the way, <laughs> the whole show is hilarious as well. The first episode sets up things, so you're like, okay, that's mm, you gotta set things up. But from the second episode on, it's just great. So you get to like episode ten, and I'm just watching it and like as a writer going, Holy shit, this is how you do it. This is just how you do it. Like I'm I'm as I've been watching this. I've also been watching this show, the, the Keith Knight um, show, Woke. And I've okay. really been rooting for, rooting for Woke. Yeah. I'm like, come on, Woke. <laughs> and, I watched, and I watched Ted Lasso. Yeah. And they do a thing where, like, basically every character, if you followed them, they'd be interesting. Huh. Every character has depth. Every character has a second level. Every character has a backstory. Yeah. And, and when you put two characters you haven't seen together together it's interesting seeing what they do and also really uses the uk very very well hmm. um and with woke uh, i think my, my wife described it the, in the best, like the first episode of woke is really good okay um uh, the idea the premise is he's cartoonist he's doing very mainstream stuff um he uh, he's african-american and he's kind of like uh, tries to keep out of any politics or anything social politics but then uh he is stopped by the police uh and uh, and uh, sort of assaulted by them and now he is seeing things he is seeing things come to life and talk to him like cartoon characters and they're saying you can't just do this you've got to do more okay. so okay that's an interesting premise sure um unfortunately they don't really do much with that hmm. and then he's got friends and he's got uh you know people who are kind of his motivator characters and they don't do much. They're all all they do is talk about really him and just like what he should do. And it's 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 this thing of like, you know, again, what Pia said was it's like a nineties autobiographical comic mm. where the main character is the only character and everyone's talking about that character. And, you know, it's just about that character and nothing really happens. And mm. it's like, shit, you're right. That's exactly what it is. Huh. And it's like, you just need to now expand a bit on the side characters, build them up, make the female characters not just love interests or nags, which unfortunately <laughs> they kind of are. Um, and you've got so much to play with there. And, and they're not doing that. And I'm finding that very, very frustrating to watch, especially after watching a show like Ted Lasso, which reminds me of a show like Parks and Rec, which was, uh, again, a show that shouldn't have worked, but then was about kindness and then really played up all the side characters well. And then, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm hoping Wolf gets a second season, and I hope they... They almost did some stuff this week where, where the side characters uh, dropped the basic nonsense that they were doing. Like, one was pursuing this woman, like, too aggressively. And it's that's something that they did on Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. And then, and then at one point, they were very, very smart in the first season. And had them just have a talk about it and just go, I'm not interested in you. It's like, oh, okay, then I won't do this anymore. Yeah, okay, good. That's right. That's how it should be. <laughs> uh, and and they, they kind of did that in, in this episode. That's great. 
And then a side character looks like they might be getting into a poly relationship, which is something I've never seen on a show before. So, okay, let's see where that goes. But just in general, it's just, oh, so much autobio 1990s uh, comic stuff. And just uh, frustrating. Hmm. Yeah. But trust me on Ted Lasso. If you get a chance, watch it. I think you will quite enjoy it. Well, from my experience of watching uh, TV with Lisa, a poly romance will end in murder. <laughs> Most but, foul. But thank you, thank you for the recommendation. I just want to point out to Stinky Dragon listeners that Ian said that recommend, recommendation is for me, and so yeah, I don't want any, anyone, anyone else out there taking that recommendation. Do not watch Ted Lasso. That is for me to watch. That was Ian's recommendation Everyone to watch me. it. It's really, really good. Anyway, so we had some letters this week? We do, Dave. Oh, my gosh. The letters we have. I'm just going to go for the message board, then you can do the uh, uh, others uh, that we got. The other, uh, the other board. This is so strange. Yeah. Edward Dragansky writes the first letter, which is so weird. <laughs> but first, let me tell you what we were talking about. Uh... Last week, we asked what your favorite cereal was as a child, what your favorite cereal is now. Yep. Also, what's the best prize you ever got from cereal, Cracker Jack, Kinder Surprise, Red Rose Tea, or what have you. Yeah. And yeah, Edward, who's normally... The last person to post is first. First has become last. Last has become first. The meek have inherited the earth. <laughs> and the end days are upon us. Oh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> wow. Right. I'll lead this week by attesting that my last name is, in fact, not fake. Well, no, no, it is not so fake. Anyway, it is original and adopted from several generations back, according to my father's work in genealogy. It's been misspelled, mispronounced, and misunderstood but I can safely state right here in front of the Sneaky Dragon audience that it is the real deal and it's all mine. Uh, this doesn't excuse uh, the instance that my first girlfriend's brother's girlfriend thought my name was Edra Gansky for real, <laughs> or that I may or not be related to the famous researcher Bogdan Dragansky, but I can unequivocally prove that I am the official bearer of the name Dragansky. My wife's maiden name was Good Pasture. Oh, I love that British show. Uh, which I've always thought sounded like a Bond girl's name. But now I've claimed her under the Dragansky title as well. At least her first name isn't Pussy. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Oh. <laughs> I, can't even, I can't even say those names together. Um, my, my address is on the way. Asking for addresses. Uh, there you go. But he may procrastinate on that. Uh, Kanan writes us, My favorite cereal was Cocoa Pops. Do you have those in North America? We do. Cocoa, uh, oh, sorry, Cocoa Pops. Do you have them in North America? All right. Uh, Cocoa Puffs, maybe. Yes, they are Cocoa Pops. Good point. Um, anyway. Uh, they, they also chocolate. have Cocoa Pops? Now, what are Cocoa Pops? What is the difference? Were they like little round chocolate balls? Aren't Cocoa Puffs those as well? I don't I thought the Puffs were like, oh, maybe. I always think of Puffs like Rife, Rice Puffs. Cocoa um, Pops uh, have a monkey as their, uh, as their uh, mascot. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Do we have those in Canada? Cocoa Pops, Canada. Uh, let's see. You can get them from Amazon. See, yeah, uh, they have. The, they're the monkey. They're the monkey, but they're not round. They're okay. like um, they're like Rice Krispies. Oh, okay. Well, then we don't have uh, we don't have those then. Sorry. But you can order them on Amazon.ca. 
because that's where I just found them. Anyway, uh, they turn the milk chocolate, so it's always a treat to drink up the milk at the end. That disgusts me to no end, Kate, and I apologize for that. That's my problem. Ian does not uh, like Whenever milk. I see someone drinking milk uh, like out of a bowl in a commercial, uh, I, I almost throw up. It sickens me to no end. I can't stand it. I can't stand seeing it in real life. And I can't stand seeing it on television. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, so do you not like you – don't, you won't drink a glass of milk? I can, ha- I can have a glass of milk, sure. But you drinking from a bowl. What if it was just milk poured uh, into a bowl? With cereal chunks floating oh, in Oh, okay. That's the part that gets you. Okay, okay. Horrific. Yeah, yes. yeah. Look, uh, these would, days, it, would it help if I told you that there is – usually when you finish a cereal, there are no chunks of cereal in the bowl? That's great. That's a great story. Anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, these days I just make my own oatmeal with apple, cinnamon, almonds, coconut, and maple syrup. Sounds, or sounds easy. Yeah, or substitute the, the apple and cinnamon with peaches and nutmeg when it's peach season. Mm. Uh, as for prizes and cereal, I do remember shrinkedings. Uh, oh, you call them shrinkedings, whereas we would call them shrinkedings. Yes, Is there a difference? I don't think Is so. Is there a difference? Especially Smurf ones. Uh, they were kind of like big vinyl stickers, though not sticky, that you put in the oven for a couple of minutes, and they shrink down to these little uh, uh, puffy plastic pictures that you uh, glue into your school folders. We make those sometimes as gifts. Uh, not gifts as in G-I-F, but gifts as in G-I-F-T-S uh, for friends. Because uh, you can get that, that's um, uh, not paper, but you can you can get that uh, vinyl and make your own designs and then shrink them down yourself if you'd like. Uh, or they may have had a hole in them that you could uh, put them on a keychain. We shrinked it, uh, which brought on a lot of tears because we typically weren't allowed to buy sugary cereals all that often. In Australia... We had our own kind of uh, kinder surprise eggs called yowies. A yowie is a fabled bush creature, like a jackalope, I guess, uh, that had Australian animals in them that you could put together. But there was also rare yowies to find and collect that were solid, unlike the puzzle piece animals. So my friends and I figured out you could weigh the yowies at the pick-a-mix station, where they weighed between 72 to 79 grams. Damn you, metric! Uh, except for the yowies that weighed just over 80. We bought so many yowies with those little buggers in them, then sold them to the local card store uh, that bought the rare ones, uh, that we flooded ourselves out of the market. Oops. Got some extra comic money there for a while, though. Nice. Nice yowie scam. Yeah. Um, Todd writes us and says, Best cereal prize. In the 1990s, Chex Mix cereal came with a PC game called Chex Quest, which was basically a reskinned version of Doom, remade to be as kid-friendly as possible. Instead of demons, you fight slime monsters from another dimension, and your weapons don't kill anyone. They simply teleport the monsters back to their home dimension. I remember the game being pretty fun, certainly more fun than anything else I got out of a cereal box. Apparently, this game has been remade recently, but but I haven't gotten a chance to play the new version. Despite Chex's Quest, my favorite cereal as a kid overall was probably Honey Nut Cheerios. Yeah, I totally forgot that there was all these PC games that would come out, and often they'd be on the front of the box. So I would buy cereal sometimes just to get, like, the Scrabble game or the Game of Life or Sorry or, or what have you. There's quite a few of them. Monopoly, I believe, was one as well. Huh. So pretty good. You get a full, you know, video game. Uh, and I did look up the uh, Chex's Quest uh, and yeah, it is Doom. It's basically Doom. You can watch it on YouTube, watching people uh, play the game. I'm pretty sure you could download a version in about 10 seconds. <laughs> yes, most likely. <laughs> um, Louise uh, writes, some Cracker Jack prizes I liked. 
uh, were those little plastic photos of wild animals that move back and forth when you tilted them. Mm. Also known as lenticular, am I getting that right? Yes. Uh, 3D pictures, but because they were lenticular, you could only use them for 40 days. Um, my fa family would go to eh? uh, my family would go to white cap soccer games at the old Empire Stadium, and we'd get boxes of Cracker Jack from the concession. If there was a lull in the action, you could always amuse yourselves by making an ostrich or elephant move in the palm of your hand. I do remember those very clearly, and I love those as well. Those are my favorite Cracker Jack prizes as well. Um, my favorite cereal growing up was Honeycomb, which we only got when we were camping. My favorite cereal now is Nature's Path Pumpkin Seed and Flax Granola, which has less sugar and more fiber. Man, that sounds adult. That is a very, very adult cereal. That, yes. Like, you should get an adult admission to a movie uh, when you buy that cereal. Uh, but, it, uh, but it doesn't have a great jingle like the old commercial Honeycomb song, which I, later, uh, which I found out later was from a hit country song. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, it surprised me as a kid when I learned a jingle's tune was from a pre-existing song like when you eat your Smarty song that was sung to the tune of the truly awful, does your chewing gum lose its flavor? I didn't realize that till you said that, and it still feels wrong, but you're probably right. It is is there a right. song that was ruined uh, for you or improved by its use in a commercial? Uh, we have talked about uh, the, the I Love Onions song that's yes, used you, for I Love, I love turtles. turtles. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, is any song... Uh, yeah, I think uh, La Bamba was ruined. <laughs> Uh, when it was like something, uh, El Nacho Supremo. <laughs> la, 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 El Nacho Supremo. And it's like, I can't think of that song without that coming up. Yeah. Uh, but but come on, Louise, you know you could write a song to Nature's Path, Pumpkin Seed, and Flax Granola, which has less sugar and more fiber. Yeah. You could write you could write a song. That writes itself. Uh, let's see, like, keep the body moving, moving, moving. That's not that, yeah. Yeah. That's all it is now, right? We just want to keep the our, in, our innards moving. You like to move it, move it. You like, like to, to move, move it, move it. it. With your pumpkin patsy and like <laughs> let sugar in it. Move it! Uh, yeah. That's right. So, when you eat your smarties, do you eat the Renz's last? Does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? It feels like there's a beat off there. No, sorry, saying beat off. But what is the hit country song? That was the honeycomb song. The honeycomb. It was baby. called honeycomb. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. song was called honeycomb. Well, that's we're or not like, talking about honeycomb. honeycomb. Once you be my baby, honeycomb be my own. Is it, that what you're talking about? That's what I thought it was. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know. I don't know what the song is. Because the song for the honeycomb hideout yeah. was honeycomb's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not small. No. Oh, oh, okay. Oh no. So that's uh, like that, okay. Sorry, that is a song, but I can't. Yeah. Um, my. Da, 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 da. Yeah, it is. That is a song. I'm sorry, I can't remember what it's called, but yeah, that is a song. Okay, I'll look it up. I'll look it up when Dave's reading other letters. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, I've got to talk about the return of Edward Dragansky, who uh, now says uh, I've mentioned Freakies. Yes, you have, and gave us some good Freakies links uh, as one of, but not to be confused with the show Freaky Links. Nothing to do with that. Uh, I've mentioned Freakies as one of my favorite cereals growing up, but it was like uh, Captain Crunch and tore my mouth up. There's only so much of that one can take. In my mind, it seems like there wasn't the variety uh, back then we have now. I do remember the John Foot Cinnamon Crunch quite well when it was introduced, and I liked anything cinnamon. I recall going through phases. I had my Lucky Charms phase, Quisp phase, Cinnamon Toast Crunch phase, and Cookie Crunch phase. I tried them all. Remember Kaboom? I do. They look like clown faces. 
there was also smiles and chuckles and giggles and laughs that also was uh, was smiling face. I remember that one. I'm just going off on a tear with that. I did that one too. Uh, the only demand made by my mom when she uh, bought a new cereal at the store was that I eat it all before she bought another one. I was a skinny, lanky kid, and I burned off all that sugar without even trying. Now that I'm a type 2 diabetic, my choices are limited. I'll agree with Ian that Quaker Oats squares are wonderful, but even they have too much sugar for me. So now I spent even more time on the cereal aisle, squinting at the sugar content on the box, uh, hoping it's somewhere below 8 grams or less. Talk to Louise about that cereal that she was talking about. It's got less sugar, apparently. <laughs> Cheerios is good for me, so I'll eat that. Uh, so, uh, so are a few of the other healthier options like Life, Kicks, or Plain Oatmeal. I'm just happy there's something I can eat at all and can still have as much coffee as I want. <laughs> uh, Freakies comes to mind. Uh, when I, you ask about prizes, I had all of them. Freaky's reign supreme when it comes to collectivity. The cereal manufacturers wanted us kids to en engage in. I remember a cereal that had a record inside, one of those flimsy plastic ones that only played a few times. But that was cool, though I don't remember what was on the record. Being a Star Wars fan, I gravitated towards the brands that promoted each new Star Wars film with lightsaber spoons, trading cards, or character pens. I had uh, fun for years with all that stuff. For a few summers in the 70s, the 7-Eleven we went to from my house had Marvel superhero plastic Slurpee cups that we collected. Those are great. Um, <laughs> later on, the cups... Yeah. Uh, I remember the, the famous monster ones. Oh, those are good, too. Uh, uh, later on, the cups featuring the superheroes and went back to paper. Uh, but on the inside bottom of each cup, there was a round pod that you could pull out and collect. It featured superheroes, rock bands, or a TV show. Uh, they usually were lenticular, ah, the word of the day, and you didn't know what you were going to get until you bought your Slurpee and were walking home. Well, Kanan would weigh those, and uh, he would know, so up to that color. That's right. Now, uh, again, it's Regis, right? Regis? Yes, Regis. you're okay, right. Good. Hi. Thanks, guys. I'm feeling a bit less lonely. I was wondering if, uh, if you'll open a bottle of French Coca-Cola, you know, champagne. <laughs> uh, indeed, sir. Uh, same bubbles, a better taste, and you don't have to add cheap whiskey or rum to get drunk, as you mostly know what's inside. You can even find organic ones. Total bargain. Yeah! I, I got to say it like that. Yeah! At least somebody agrees with me about Mr. Fincher. Seven. Pwah! One yeah. of the rare films that I hate. I uh, get out of the theater really upset thinking uh, I had the least chance not to be an American. Okay. <laughs> I had the feeling that he just uh, sp uh, split on the American viewer and by ricochet uh, any other viewer as well. <laughs> um, then a friend of mine sold me Fight Club uh, quite some time after its theatrical release, saying I will love it because it was taking aim at the consumerist society with a kind of revolutionary feel. What? The movie tells exactly the opposite. Okay. It's, uh, it's a start with a nice uh, uh, FX scene, uh, seemingly making fun of Ikea and all the boring stuff of modern consumerist life. Yeah. But it uh, shows a bored, psychotic character which uh, doing psychotic things. A revolutionary? No. If the film is talking about revolution or revolutionaries, it tells uh, the leaders are dangerous schizophrenics and the followers brain-dead white boys from the middle class. More of a picture of Trump followers than any leftist. His Ooh. organization is a, cull, is a club like golf, for crying out loud, which is uh, purely based on senseless violence between members. The film is not about mental illness. At the end of the character uh, fight is schizophrenia, killing a bad half 
to get to normal with the help of the government, if I remember well. Schizophrenia does not work that way. That is true. You can't really, yeah. You can't kill the voice in your head. Um, it could have been uh, told a story about madness in society. In a sense, it was ahead of its time. It portrayed a bored human, senseless society acting out, joining a sect, and ended uh, uh, blowing things, uh, which is the perfect portrait of the modern terrorist. We got a sad example here in France last week. The last nail in the coffin That's is true. House of Cards, uh, or House of Cards. I'm not sure if House of Cards or House of Cards. I watched it with my ex-girlfriend. Uh, we loved it as everybody, um, despite the fact that I knew it was produced by Fincher. But he's a tough motherfucker and a good manipulator. <laughs> but in the middle of season three, I really started to wonder why I was hoping for the demise of the people I would support in real life. Journalists, caring people and was praying for the success of this infernal couple, and for, yeah, it's card, House of Cards, sorry, uh, and, and particularly the main character, Underwood. Then I remembered, ah, yeah, Fincher. He installs <laughs> a sadistic relationship with its viewer. He manipulates them, puts them in the inferior position to punish them, and makes them uh, self-accept the situation. I would say even love it. It's the portrait of uh, the narcissistic manipulator and his victims. By the way, if you don't, uh, if you haven't already watched the original House of Cards, the English one, uh, watch it. It's properly intelligent, roughly the same story. It talks about cynicism, but it is not. Uh, it's not uh, about cynicism, and it's a really great show. I will agree with that. I preferred the uh, the original version. And now the question of the week: As a child, the concept of cereal completely eludes me. I was more of a sauerkraut kid. <laughs> oh, man, Dave, did you ever have those sauerkraut kid dolls when you were a kid? <laughs> so rare. I, I do remember the, that that uh, that uh, Western hero, the sauerkraut kid, the radio yeah. shows for him, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and his, uh, his partner, Kimchi, remember? <laughs> it was a little racist, but yeah. It was a little racist it for was, the time. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah uh, like... you know, back then, a little racist was better than regular <laughs> racist. Anyway, I was more of a sauerkraut kid eating the leftover from the day before. Then I stopped eating breakfast cereals altogether, just an espresso. I'm just picturing you as a little kid. Just like, do we have the sauerkraut? No, an espresso then. It's like, that's great. <laughs> cereals are not a cultural thing here. We had mainly Kellogg's Corn Flakes, and that was it. Until the end of the uh, 80s. Uh, we got uh, amazing uh, croissants uh, for Sundays, very good bread, butter, salty butter, and uh, jams. Oh, European butter. My God, it's so good. Um, <laughs> so why bother with industrial products containing too much sugar and God knows what else? And indeed, well, we got hooked. You have to have the commercials right in your face from yeah. when you're born, and yeah. then, then you get it. Um, the best <laughs> prizes came with uh, a Piff Gadget uh, communist uh, cartoon magazine. Piff was a dog, and his dumb counterpart was a cat named Hercule, which should be the other way around, maybe a take from the communists on the anarchists. But you've got Corto Maltese, too, uh, and a gadget with a technical or scientific touch, like the spaghetti gun, uh, the cardboard record player, but they were not always functional, like the square eggs machine, but it was fun. Oh, I like the square eggs machine you're talking about. <laughs> I assume that would be... Uh, I don't even know what it would be. Just put, put put in like a little square, you seal it up, put it in some boiling water, open it up, you got a square egg. Is that what it was? Because that seems like that would be what it was. What's the square eggs machine? Tell me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, David, there's a question for you. David, I have a question for you. Oh. Some time ago, you talked about a funny crime novel writer, but I can't find who. Oh. Who was it? Who were you talking about? I imagine that it was the British cr uh, crime author Edmund Crispin, E-D-M-U-N-D, 
last name C-R-I-S-P-I-N. He wrote about seven novels. Uh, they're all they're all quite amusing. Yeah, his um his his uh, his hero is a Oxford professor named Gervais Fenn, and yeah, they're quite good. I highly recommend it, particularly Holy Disorders. That was my favorite. That's the first one I found. I found that when I was working in the fishing boat in a, in a small town at the very tip top of um, Vancouver Island, Port Hardy. We were there, and I went wandering about one day, and I went to this store that was a combination. Con- like convenience store or a corner store and and also a bookstore mm-hmm. and so you know like if you look at books a lot you know you know you know to look at like like penguin books like if you see penguin books you're like ah penguin books those are good books i'll look at through these books and they might find something interesting to read or you look through the penguin green books because those are their crime novels and so i f- saw this like a bunch of these books that were had these green covers and i was like oh okay and so i, I found this one called holy disorders and i bought it and I read it as we went down the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and the, I just sat outside in a bucket reading it because we weren't fishing; we were just heading back down to the Fraser. That was that was the best part of my fishing <laughs> trip, actually. <laughs> but that was a very good book. So I, I yeah, I recommend Edmund Crispin. Very good. We gotta keep up the good work. The, from the Godfather of Martin Amos. Very good. Uh, we also, uh, uh, also. Oh, I'm sorry. Him. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, go ahead. He was the Godfather of Martin Amos's brother. Martin Amos's godfather was the poet, British poet, Philip Larkin, who, unlike Edmund Crispin, real name Bruce something, um, mm-hmm. who was incredibly generous to his godson, uh, Martin Amos regularly got like very little money from his, uh, his godfather who worked in the library and was a, was, you know, was a poet, but you know, he didn't make a lot of money as poets in those days. So yeah. Anyway, Edmund Crispin. Not like, not like now. Not yeah, like just... now where you roll in the dough. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you, I was you gonna get say, like all those... Limerick billionaires. I should say in these modern times, including the 50s to now, yeah, those, yeah. the days of a Tennyson or a Byron, you know, like someone who could make a living as a, as a poet are, are long gone. Uh, he also goes on to suggest a, uh, a movie for us to talk about on Fansplainers, mm. which is the second Civil War, uh, which brings me to a thing where we're taking a little bit of a break from Fansplainers because I just, uh, it's a time thing for me right now uh, where uh, I got to pay some rent. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, need the days to do this. Yeah. So I apologize to our listeners uh, for that, but we're taking a bit of a break uh, for that. But putting that on the note board, uh, Second Civil War. And also, hopefully, when we come back, there will be uh, movies and theaters that I can go see. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and feel safe going to see them. Yeah, I think that's kind this of our theater. deciding. Our, that, yeah. I, think, I think it... Fan Spinners is, is another victim of, of uh, COVID. Just just wasn't really working the, the format that we were trying to do. Yeah, it's, and, and it is also right now where I'm at. Uh, I've got a couple of different projects that uh, that I am working on right now that are big time sucks. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, do not, yeah. And, it, and, and it's tough to stop doing that and then do... Yep. You know, uh, but, but, but. so uh, apologize uh, to those of you who are like, hey, and uh, <laughs> but listen, you've still got this one and yeah. you've still got a sneaky dragon listening party. That's so, true. There we go. And we may also do other uh, limited podcasts in the future that yeah. just are a little bit more concentrated. Once, okay, back once, to. Once we get done coloring sparks and, and whatnot, we'll. Yeah, we also are doing books <laughs> right now, too. Um, which I'm um, me to plug my book at the end of this. Uh, Chris oh. Roberts writes. Oh, okay. So who else had to look up lenticular? Just me, really. <laughs> I like that Chris has a picture of uh, Reed Richards off to the side, and it feels like Reed is going. I know what lenticular. Is. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know what lenticular fact, was, Chris. 
Yeah, they probably fought the lenticular man at some point, like mm-hmm. in the 60s. Sure. And now it's the lenticular, you know, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's, it's not defined by sex now. Um, your cereal question got me thinking about my childhood. You often do. Uh, I usually <laughs> skipped breakfast as a boy. Oh, you can't skip breakfast. Uh, and didn't really pick up the habit until well into my 20s. Hmm. This might have something to do with my dad being a chain smoker. Ugh. It was hard to wake up uh, with an appetite when the air in the house was suffused with enough tar to coat a gar- garage roof. Yeah, that's <laughs> not great. Um, when I did indulge, it was usually cornflakes or Rice Krispies. That's not the, indulging. Yeah, with the occasional foray into the exotic wonderland of Special K. <laughs> I guess I had a thing for bland. That was my parents' cereal with Special K. Yeah. Um, these days, uh, like Canaan, I put together my own cereal, sort mm-hmm. of a muesli, muesli uh, mix, mixing up porridge oats, uh, that might be oatmeal uh, where you are, sure, with toasted pumpkin seeds, flaked almonds, chopped hazelnuts, and desiccated coconut. <laughs> Lots of chopped dates, raisins, sultanas, sunflower seeds, and... A little old brand, just to keep things interesting. Oh, man. Am I right, ladies? What time do you get to work at, 11 in the morning? This guy knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, wait, settle down. We're not done yet. I serve this with extra creamy type of oat milk that's meant to be used in cappuccino, but it's not for cappuccino because I'm using it here. And the colder, the better. <laughs> to borrow a phrase from me, if you like that kind of thing, it's the kind of thing you like. There you it's go. Dave Sim, but sure. <laughs> right on. You have Listen, used, I'm going to give everyone it. a little time to cool down from that description of that cereal. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Lordy. Lord. <sighs> oh, you take the muesli, mix up the porridge, then the pumpkin seeds. <laughs> yeah, you can't say it. It's just too much stuff. So, uh, so um, yeah, this, my problem with that is, like, I just want to open a box, pour it in a bowl... Pour in some milk, eat it, and leave. Like, I my mornings are planned to the nth, like the nanosecond that I like I get out of the house just in time. Right. I don't have well, any spare time to to like put together to forage this in, this in, this incredible cereal you guys are making. Like, I don't know what what time do you work at? Four o'clock in the afternoon? You have to start at eight in the morning making this thing. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, we okay, have a, Well, here's what I'm going to tell email. you. Get one of those cereal containers, the plastic ones. Yep. Put all this stuff together, mix it up first. Then you don't have to mix it up the next day. Like you just have it there and then you pour it out and, and yeah. it's already pre-mixed. Yeah. I have it there and it yeah. is pre-mixed. It's in a box. Yeah. All right. But it's, but it's better this way. Right. Anyway, Edward uh, writes us again. And says oh, Edward's to... back again? Oh, he's back twice, brother. Uh, he started, he finished, it's, a, it's an Edward Club sandwich. Uh, I used to create the art that was uh, provided to print a lenticular effect, uh, which had to stay layered in Photoshop for it to work. Lenticular printing was one of those effects in the industry that started out really expensive and now can be done for pennies. It's come a long way since I used it as a print gimmick. And by the way, thanks for mentioning Midnight Run, probably my favorite <laughs> buddy film, this side of the Blues Brothers. I remember seeing it several times and watching it so much that my brother and I can quote any scene to one another. I used to hope uh, Martin Brest would do a sequel, possibly called Midnight Run 2 in The Next Life, uh, where Dennis Farina is released from prison and goes after Groden and De Niro. Uh, but that ship has sailed, I'm sure. It also has one of the best non-Burton Danny Elfman scores of the 80s, kind of a rambling honky-tonk on-the-run score. I feel like there is a sequel to Midnight Run. And uh, Dave, do we have other letters? 
We do. I was just going to say that. Then I'm uh, going to try looking that up while you read Dennis one. Dennis Freena has passed away, so that he will not be in the he will not be in the sequel. You know, the earliest use of lenticular the lenticular um, picture is that I can think of is on the cover of the Rolling Stones' 1966 or 67 album. Uh, there's Satanic Majesty's Request, which has a image that if you tilted it, they change their their attitudes in the photograph on the front of the cover of the album. That's very cool. Okay. Yeah, it's very cool. There was quite rare actually to find. 1994 made for television film. Yeah. Called Another Midnight Run. Okay. Starring. A, yeah, Christopher McDonald, who's playing the Robert De Niro character. Okay. And Jeffrey Tambor uh playing uh the Groden character. Wrong. Wrong actor for that role. Okay, well there you go. And if you think that's the uh the there was also Midnight Runaround. Uh that's right. That was the second yeah, that, that was another sequel. Also, there was Midnight Run for Your Life. That was another movie that was uh, also in this series. Okay, wait for it. Yep. Alternate titles: uh, Midnight Run Two, Another Midnight Run, and Midnight Run Cash Comes at Midnight. So there have been three sequels to Midnight Run, not starring the uh, the character, not starring the actors from Midnight Run, but it was uh, Midnight Run. So there we go. I wasn't wrong. Huh? Yay me! Very, very good. Then there was no. Forget it. Um, I got, I got letters. I got, e- I got, we got an email, everyone. This is from McElliot, who writes to us and says, "Hey, gents, great episode." Well, thank you very much, Mick. And that's all that he wrote. Uh, I ate far too many sugary cereals as a kid in the '80s. I was the third child, so I think my parents had given up any pretense of enforcing healthy eating habits by the time I came along. So most mornings before school, I would eat either Cocoa Pops, Fruit Loops, or Honey Smacks, all of which boasted between 30 to 50% sugar content. How I managed to remain lucid during the school day is a mystery. <laughs> That's called, um, what is it called? Your metabolism. That's C- right. Cereal packets back then were rife with movie marketing and on-pack promotions. I remember Cornflakes did a scratch-and-win card inside their packs to tie in with Return of the Jedi. It promised a bounty of instant-win Star Wars toys, but I never managed to score anything despite months of eating Cornflakes at least twice a day. Oh. I also remember bugging my mom to let me buy a packet of Wheaties cereal, which had a Smurfs sticker inside. She refused on the basis that I wouldn't eat them once I had the sticker. I suspect that she knew that Wheaties were far too low in sugar content for my insulin-decimating tastes. <laughs> but I embarked on a long campaign of nagging, and she eventually relented, but only if I promised to eat the whole pack. The sticker inside was Smurfette, and the Wheaties tasted like cardboard. <laughs> I ate one bowl, smothered in raw sugar, and the rest of the packet went stale in the back of the cupboard. Mum had been right, of course. No, no, you were right not to eat Wheaties because they are horrible. Nowadays, I go for natural sugar-free muesli with plain yogurt and fruit and feel much better for it. My daughter, though, is desperate to try Sour Patch Kids cereal. She loves the candies. Woo, me too. But it is not sold here in Australia. Any description of Sour Patch Kids cereal by Sneaky Dragon listeners in North America would be appreciated. Stay sneaky, Mick Elliott. P.S. Then he gave me his address and he says... He lives in Australia, then in bracket, sorry. Hey, no problem. I have no problem sending stuff to Australia. If I sound no. like I'm, if it sounded like in the past I was kvetching, it was merely for comedic kvetching effect. So there we go. Those are, those are the emails. Nice. 
Uh, I was looking at uh, what the Honeycomb Hideout song could have been. All right, and uh, and and people are saying that it's okay. So there's the song Honeycomb that was uh, the Jimmy Rogers song that I suggested earlier. Yeah, that's right. So that was originally what the Honeycomb uh, theme song was. Yeah, but people are saying the Honeycomb Hideout song, which Honeycomb big, yeah, 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 it's not small. No, 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 is the uh, same as a uh, melody from Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh. Uh, for uh, these uh, lyrics uh, from the song, the temple lyrics it says, huh. and uh, and I I don't know that song off the top of my head. I'm Me sorry. Neither. I've never actually I've never actually watched Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, uh, that okay. Well, there's some there's some okay stuff in there. Um, sure there uh, is. Uh, yeah, there's a good. Uh, I heard there's Herod's, a resurrection. Yeah, there's a good Herod song. There's one of those songs. That's the song that you give someone if they don't want to be in the play very much. It's the same song <laughs> they give to King George uh, in uh, in Hamilton. It's like uh, this is your celebrity song. You gotta. It's good if you can hit the notes. That's lovely. But even <laughs> if you can't, it's the one that you can give to a person and they'll be able to pull it off. Oh, okay. And it, so if you want like a if you want like a star to play that role. Yeah. And not but not necessarily like a theater star, a, a musical theater star. You can give yeah, them this role. Yeah, it's better if they are a very good singer. Excellent. That's lovely. Yeah. But if, even if you're not, this is the, the Herod song is one that you would give to a comedy actor okay. in the UK. Okay. And they would come yeah, out yeah. and they would do yeah, it. Yeah. Like Rick uh, Mayle, that, he, he played uh, Herod in uh, a, version, yeah. a version of it. You know, he can talk, sing it. Alice yeah, yeah. Cooper did it and kind of talked talked his way through it. Mm. It's, it's fine. You can, you can pull it off. Sure. So, so what you're saying is that song would be used for a spoon-sized shredded wheat. Exactly. The temple, exactly. Well, the we'll temple song, though, our, is for Honeycomb. Yeah, when we're doing our Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and Godspell, all the songs from that are yeah, yeah. Kellogg's. Yeah, those are all those. Cool. Yeah, cool. that's how that goes. Well, let's sign so them all if, later. So if you guys want to uh, write us, we haven't uh, told you what the uh, what, what we're talking about this week or any questions, but let me let me give you... Uh, let's let's go with that first, and what our, what our questions of the week are. Do you have a question of the week? Do I? Not yes. no, not off the top of my head. Sorry. Okay, that's uh, that's absolutely fine. Uh, then I'm gonna I'm gonna ask like, do you prefer a comforting TV movie thing where like you know? Let's go with this. What is your comforting? I know everything that's gonna happen in this TV show or movie, but I'm still gonna watch it. It's not necessarily one you've watched before, but it's something like, listen, I know if I go to see Die Hard Five, I know what I'm in. <laughs> Yeah. If I got, if I'm watching, you know, the Hallmark, you know, uh, romantic movie, I know what I'm in for. This is my comfort. It's going to be no surprises, but I'm going to enjoy it. If I go to see Friday the Thirteenth Part, blah blah blah, I know what I'm going to see. So, what is your, what is your uh, kind of uh, thing that you want to see, but you already know exactly what it's going to be, but that's part of what makes it a good thing for you. So, what is something that you like to, that, that you like to see? Uh, but uh, is uh, is something that you always know what you're going to get. Is that a confusing question? No, to... no, that's that's good. That's good. I okay. like it. That's a good question. I'm sorry, I have none to add to that. Um, actually, you know what? Here's what's my... the sexiest hey, no, no, no. lenticular picture you've ever seen? <laughs> I was going to say, what's your favorite uh, jingle? Oh, very nice. Double points if you record yourself singing it and send it to us. Oh wow! Our double points. <laughs> okay. Double points. We'll put that on the board. There you are. We have a little, um, so people know we have a little thing that's, it looks like a, it would have a curtain hanging from it, but we just have hoops on it, and we like move them back and forth with a, with a pool cue. Yep. Just put it up there. Shh. Yep. Shh. Shh. Yeah, exactly. 
So uh, if you want to uh, write us via the email, that's uh, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. If you want to go to our message boards, go to sneakydragon.com, the website. Every one of our episodes is up there. Underneath those episodes is our message board. You can just post right there, nice and easy. Facebook, well, Sneaky Dragon, there. Boom. Put it there. Boom. Uh, Twitter, Sneaky underscore, ah, that's how you get you. Dragon. There you go. Or uh, on Tumblr, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. Now, let me lay some stuff on you, man. Um, David and I have a book that is out right now. We've got two books, actually, that are out right now. Uh, but one is a fairly new book called Sparks Double Dog Dare, which is a sequel to our book Sparks. Uh, David colors it. I wrote it. And our friend Nina Matsumoto is the artist on it. And it is, uh, it's a good book. Hey, it's been a, it was a hit book in Canada. Both have been. Uh, the first one just won awards and stuff. Uh, look, man, you should get it. Like, go to your local bookstore. And or, uh, you know, you can order it from online if you wanted to. We're not going to judge you. Anyway, one is called Sparks! Exclamation mark. The other is called Sparks! Double Dog Dare. It's about two cats that dress up like a dog and save the world. Is it just for kids? It can be for kids. But... Why not, as an adult, give yourself a treat, like a bowl of sugary cereal, and just mmm, num, 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 just eat that up. You would love it. <laughs> uh, I also do uh, a comic called Exorcisters, and the first trade has been out for a while, and that one is uh, Exorcisters uh, Damned If You Don't. Uh, I do it with uh, the artist Giselle Legacy, and we've got our second collection coming out basically around Halloween time. It's in bookstores and comic stores. And that is called uh, Kick at the Darkness. So Exorcisters, Kick at the Darkness, they are going up against uh, the shadow of the creator. When the universe was created and uh, said, the, let there be light, a shadow uh, fell. And that shadow uh, is not a great uh, thing. So uh, <laughs> they're going up against uh, that and dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff. And wow. people that have seen it seem to like it. Maybe you will, too. That would be lovely. And when does that come out? Uh, that comes out next week. Wow, great. Yeah, so end of end of October. Cool. Uh, and the other thing is uh, my wife, Pia Guerra, and I uh, do cartoons together for The New Yorker and Mad Magazine, and uh, we have uh, started putting up some new cartoons on Instagram, and our Instagram account for that is uh, at Mannequin on the Moon. Mannequin on the Moon. So uh, we're putting those cartoons up uh, pretty regular. So if you want to check that out, please do. And by the way, if you do get a Sparks book and you want to get a, uh, um, a book plate for that, uh, signed by David, myself, and Nina, uh, we have those available again. And all you have to do is write us at our uh, email address one more time. That is sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Uh, and we will uh, send you one. So just uh, write us, say, here's my address. We'll go, okay, fair enough. And uh, we'll send that off to you. Cool. So that's that, and that's that. That's very um, nice. Hey, do you want to tell people about your Stinky Dragon Listening Party podcast? Sure. So the latest episode just came out this week, everyone. That came out on Thursday. You can go there and listen to Mary and I talk about music together. We listened to some fun. There's, this was a very musical show this week. We had, I think we had like seven bonus songs this week. So wow, a lot of music. That's a lot of bonus. It's a lot of a lot of music. So yeah, we had. Uh, what, how did I describe it? I said we had witch rock, horn-driven <laughs> art critiques, some orchestral alt-rock, smile-era banjos, freak folk, and folksy death. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, fun, it was a fun show. And, uh, cool. yes, Mary, Mary always makes it fun, so it was, it was good. 
There you are. So uh, check all that out. And uh, thank you so much for uh, your kind attention. Uh, we love hearing from you. And we appreciate the time that you have uh, given us. Uh, yes. all of you, uh, yeah, there you go. Dave, Dave agrees. I do. I thought it was very well. He count for me at the end and go, no! <laughs> I thought that was very, very well spoken. I thought it was very nice. Very good. So uh, everyone keep yourself uh, safe. Yes. Uh, keep yourself healthy. Uh, we want you around. And uh, and uh, and there you go. I've been Ian. I've been David. And I've been Ian. Bye.